and there is no way out of, seemingly no way out of lockdown. It feels like we are trapped inside hell in a cell. But we we trundle on with the Rogue Retro Smackdown review. The latest pay-per-view edition here covering no way out to thousand. Feels like forever since the last time we did a pay-per-view with the Royal Rumble. But I am your usual Scott McLeod here to talk about no way out 2000 with a guy who I've had on before uh, to cover the go-home episode for the Royal Rumble, and I thought I'd bring him back this time for a pay-per-view, so here we get on. We also did a, a take review over on his channel, which we'll, I'm sure we'll plug later on, but it's uh, Reen from the Hallway Podcast. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on, man. Um, it's felt like forever, as you said, with the lockdown. We just, Ireland just announced that there's more, nine more weeks of this, so um, plenty more podcasts uh, to be to be recorded and ideas to come to fruition so i'm really happy to be back on i really enjoyed my time last time we still have to record takeover tampa as well um it's just been a bit of a wild time um but it's great to be back on i'm looking forward to reviewing this pay-per-view that i've actually never watched before burn me at the stake um <laughs> but but um i i really did enjoy diving into this with a clear mind but yeah thanks for having me on scott no problem uh, I, won't, I won't cause any judgments for your you're not watching because i hadn't watched it in full for 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 a long time i've seen bits and pieces of it i'd seen i remember when i finally watched it for the first time like all the way through i think i missed a couple of years ago when it came to like and xbox i'd watched the video package more than the match itself because i used to go through the thing of like going through a youtube rabbit hole of wrestling video packages for matches i didn't then go and watch yeah um it was just weird because i was watching this and i was trying to get the process the characters in my head from when I, we watched the last time with the rumble and there's a lot of stuff i didn't like on the show and we'll get into it but um there was a lot of really really good stuff and a lot of fun stuff um but you know it's it's interesting to just see like there's a lot of things that they're doing a lot better net back then than they were doing now, but there's just a lot of that kind of attitude era booking that's kind of that kind of sort of very very strange and interesting. So I'm really looking forward to getting into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a it's surprising the amount of little details that they don't like include, or they suddenly they don't really mention when it comes to the show that I've been seeing for the past five or so weeks of the build. But we'll dive straight into No Way Out takes place on the 27th of February 2000 from the Hartford Civic Centre in Hartford, Connecticut. 
not too far away from Stanford, where WWE's headquarters are. The, uh, the Hartford Civic Centre is uh, actually a venue they've used quite a few times for big shows. One of the other famous examples of them using this venue is this is where uh, WrestleMania 11 took place five years earlier, where uh, it was famously headlined by Lawrence Taylor taking on Bam Bam Bigelow. Oh, bro. Uh, Fantastic. <laughs> Take my money. I know. What what a standard that Triple H and Cat has had to live up to in tonight's main event. Yeah, one thing I want to ask you, and I don't know if you can if you can if you have a good answer for this, but one thing that was scared, like really obviously missing from this pay per view that WWE do very 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 well these days was promo packages. What's the story with what what was their idea behind the lack of promo packages back then? Was it a logistic thing or was it just a choice? I think I think the matches that they gave promo packages to I think were the right ones because they gave. The three of the top matches were got, got promised. Kane Xbox, Rock, uh, Big Show, and then Triple H Cactus. So I think they actually made a smart choice with the, the video packages here. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know why they don't do it often. Like, you think, at least nowadays, like you'd get like the main event, it's like a video package. But like nowadays, with have very people can't skip them anyway because if you get one, we get replayed at least twice for you on the pre show. If you watch it and then showing you again on the main show. Yeah, fair. No, that that that, that kind of. I, I I think I I just missed. I might have been. I've been. I was taken out, so I might have missed a few of the promo packages. But yeah, I was just wondering. It was. It's probably from just watching modern AWE and seeing like promo package, promo package, promo package, promo package, as opposed to just a little more simple and a bit more rounded. So yeah, but no, um, that was just a question I had. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to see the big differences as we as we had last time. But, it was a good, really good show. It was a patch crowd, a very loud crowd. Mm-hmm. I saw there were more in the venue than actually were. Apparently, they were at capacity with 12,551 people in attendance and a staggering 480,000 people buying the show on pay-per-view. And given this is like the B show before like WrestleMania and they got that over 480,000 buys, that's amazing to think about. Especially also given that pay-per-view buys aren't really a thing for WWE anymore with the network and stuff like that. It was the main and, event, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it probably all was for like the main event and also the fact that WWE can clearly do no wrong at this point. Because like, I, I know it's a different kind of era, but four years earlier, In Your House 6, the first time an actual pay-per-view happened in the month of February between WrestleMania and the Rumble. Me and my friend Paul Lawrence got Paul Rowland podcast. I reviewed that, In Your House 6. And like that got like a hundred and fifty thousand buys, and I had like a steel cage in the main event, and you had Shawn Michaels playing up his rumble opportunity. But I think it just goes to show the popularity of the product between those two periods. That like it doesn't matter if it's like a random show, people still want to like tune in on the road to WrestleMania because they think they've been conditioned to think anything can happen in two thousand WWF. Yeah, um, like the main diff, like, listen, we're, 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 we're harping on about this right now because we're on the road to WrestleMania in 2021. We have Elimination Chamber, then we have Fastlane, which is just so stupid, incredibly, incredibly stupid to have Elimination Chamber in the space it is and having two pay-per-views. We had Rumble, No Way Out, Mania, and it was all really clean, concise. But now it's, yeah, we're, we're talking about this pay-per-view now, but it's crazy to see how simple they kept it back then and how good it was. Whereas now it's all about just, I don't know, I don't know, it's all about money where they're just trying to like pump a lot of, just get people to buy the network to watch these B-grade pay-per-views and it's not really working, but it's, it was just simple is better 
as a lot of the, as a lot of the um the good the good very few things done very well as opposed to being doing like twenty things right now that are quite quite average. So yeah, that was yeah. a big that was a big observation as well. Yeah, it's interesting where we are now at time recording compared to the time that we're talking about uh, for this podcast because you guys are hearing this after elimination but we're actually recording this a few days before and some of the Hell in a Cell is a big like, appeal for the show. We've got two elimination chambers on Sunday. One that I care about with the SmackDown one and the Raw mm-hmm. one I can give two fucks about. No, I couldn't give a fuck about the Raw one. Um, it's stupid. Um, SmackDown... It's night and day. I love SmackDown right now. Roman Reigns is the best thing in wrestling, and and the storylines that they could do in that elimination chamber, I can't predict it. It's very easily predictable with the Raw one. It's either going to be McIntyre or Sheamus, um, or like this Miz Halkashian thing. I'm just fully invested in the in the SmackDown side, but the Raw side I am. Whereas on this pay per view, if I was if I was bringing myself, if I was a fan in 2000, I'd be invested in all of it because they just do. An eight match card, or I don't know how many matches, seven or eight match card, quite simple. Um, permutations for WrestleMania on the line. This is the last stop before WrestleMania. Then they use the next so many, however many weeks to build WrestleMania. Simple, effective, and works well. Yeah, definitely. Cause, like, the thing with the chamber is like, matches like the chamber now, they feel like they're overused, but yeah, like, it just depends how you put them because the way they put the SmackDown one with the one are immediately facing Roman. Is that everyone defending the title makes it more intriguing about who would win. And mm-hmm. like, they heavily focus on the cell because the cell is technically still fresh in 2000. But they're hyping up the brutality of it, forgetting that the last time that there was a cell match in the WF, I'm pretty sure it was the one from WrestleMania 15 with Undertaker and Bossman, one of the most boring Hell in the Cell matches in fucking history. <laughs> and, one of the first, and one of the first times people realised that, oh, maybe this cell match can be bad. Yeah, um... I've never watched that. And I never intend to. I think is it the one where Bossman got hung? Is that the yeah. one we're talking? Yeah. Okay, that just says it all. Um, really. Um, but yeah, it was nice to see a Hell in a Cell match that wasn't at a pay per view called Hell in a Cell with all capital letters pushed in front of yeah. your face. Um, because I mean, I'm not going to go on to that because that's just an age old argument. Gimmick pay per views are terrible. Blah 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 blah. But. I think it's time we start talking, but start stop stop shit. It's like every podcast that every wrestling podcast just turns into shit on modern day WWE. It's brilliant. Yeah, I think it's just worth bringing up because again, this is still because the LMSL has talked about a lot in the show. The opening video package is all about Mick Foley and his dream of going to WrestleMania and have to go through the cell to get to to get to WrestleMania, and then they've even basically incorporated a kind of cell like structure in the entranceway where you're kind of coming through a mini version of yeah. the cell. And then one of the matches later on, that part of the set is used as a weapon. It's not the most like, glamorous looking set, but at least it's in, they're incorporating it, its own theme of the show. That basically the show is centered in the Hell in a Cell, and so that's been centered around the, the entrance away. Yeah, I really love the set. I love that little cell like coming through the still like the kind of the entrance way. I really, really love that. And um, if that was WWE nowadays, every match would have a spot on it, but they kept it um, quite concise and uh, like they didn't really like go near it until the Xbox Kane match. One thing one note I did have, one of my, my first note aged terribly because in the first few minutes explained the main event, I was like um, JR at his best, which he was it's great to see JR like in his prime. Jerry was good too, I said. Jesus Christ did I, did, did, did that like common age terribly once we got into later matches um but yeah, anyway, that that was that was my two cents on the uh, on the intro. 
uh, Jerry was good for about five seconds and then fell off a cliff. <laughs> well, more on that later on. But we start off with uh, Kurt Angle, the European champion, not defending his European title. He's instead challenging Chris Jericho for his Intercontinental Championship. Uh, a little bit of background firing. Uh, Kurt Angle won the European title on the February 10th episode of SmackDown, uh, defeating Val Venus mm-hmm. for the title. I mean, I've, I watched this. I watched every week of SmackDown from this period. I forgot Val Venus was the champion. And uh, really Sean, did as well. Sean Morley. What a man. Okay. I hope he's, hope he's doing okay. <laughs> he's not. <laughs> he's. <laughs> so then Angle went around. Well, I should say the, the Raw before he won the European title. He was having a match with Mark Henry. Mae Young got involved and he hit her with an angle slam. And then came out on the SmackDown before his European title match saying, I am still a role model, especially to young children and the elderly. And he claimed, and he, claimed he thought it was Mark Henry behind him. Uh, yeah, they look quite similar. To, 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 be, to be fair to Kurt, like, let's, let's, not, let's, not, let's not diss Kurt. But um, yeah, uh, listen... Watching Kurt Angle, I I never really appreciated. Well, I, I I've known about his heel work, but his heel work was so simple but so effective because he was just so self-absorbed, such a shit-eating prick, and it was easy to get behind him. This match was kind of heel versus heel, but it worked because it's ego versus ego kind of thing. Um, but I really really enjoyed Kurt Angle's bit of promo here, and he gets he he got heat like no other. That man like. I didn't really think Kurt Angle would be anywhere in, like it, near my top five, but like in retrospect, Kurt Angle should be in everyone's top five wrestlers ever. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, since he won the title, he's thought about how things in Europe have been getting better, especially for morale. Given that Kurt Angle is the representative, but things have declined in the US because it has Chris Jericho as Intercontinental Champion, and so he wants to help restore honor, become the first ever Eurocontinental Champion. And uh, yeah, if he comes to the ring talking about a local sports team that apparently left uh, Connecticut because it's an I too will be leaving. But unlike that team, I will come back because I will be the champion this city needs. And he starts to talk about his three eyes and then he's interrupted by China who's for some reason still connected to Jericho. She's got our bazooka gun though, so that's something. And out comes Jericho who, yeah, he's kind of a dick but he's still more of a face and as he's been getting more and more over as the months go on. You know, he shouts out Hartford at Jericho, everyone joins in. And uh, he calls Kurt Angle Kirk Angel and says, like, I do believe in the third, I believe in the three eyes as well, because I believe you're an idiot, an imbecile, and an ignoramus. <laughs> Kirk Angle is fucking brilliant. I love, love it. I love just the pettiness. Now, listen, Scott, if you've listened to our podcast, you'll know that I'm not a fan of Jericho um, at the moment. Um, don't like what he's doing at all. Um, so, I had to put my my obvious anger and gripe aside to watch this, but this was Jericho on his prime, like he was not, not just before his prime was fantastic, just great on the mic. Um, didn't get himself, didn't want to get himself over at all points. Wasn't heavy on the on the vodka, and he was just brilliant. Uh, and it's, it, I'm going to keep it in the bubble here. Um, if you want to hear Jericho slander, go on to the Holly Wrestling Podcast. But uh, for Jericho here, he was fantastic. And uh, I really, really enjoyed this. The match was a lot slower. I don't know what you thought about it, Scott, but I thought this match was a lot slower than I would have expected. Yeah, a little bit. You know, there were some good points. And because uh, I was looking forward to seeing it, because you know, this, along with the uh, the Asian Christian Hardy's match, we'll talk about later on, it felt like this is kind of the embodiment of the 
the more the change in work rate and the style of uh, the company that we're going to see over the next year or so. But yeah, there was a bit. It was a bit slow start, but I think it's because this is probably one of the first times these two have ever actually faced off. Angle, I think he's still fairly new in the company, like working on a full time basis since like November, so he's still fairly early in his time. But I think they pulled off a good like opening match. I, I could have done without Jerry Lawler constantly saying like as he's done for the past, basically since Jericho and Tina started becoming a, a night, a, do I say a item, but kind of a, a team almost. You've got you a lot constantly implying there's something more going on there because in 2000, a man and, man and woman can't just be friends. Mm-hmm. They gotta be fucking, according to, according, according to Jerry. Sadly, yeah, this is what I meant. Jerry just went downhill from, from here. Um, I really enjoyed, like, China's presence. China's presence there just made you be like, oh, something's gonna happen. That's how good she was. Like, Seven Wonders of the World wasn't just a thing. Like, her presence at the ring, beside the ring, like was just like unmatched like jesus she was she was huge she was huge like the shoulder width was like i'd be like there was she was like it's it's no like thing of saying like she was probably stronger than a lot of the men in the in the locker room and like to have her as jericho i really like that like like jericho was like towering below her and like he's he just knows he can say whatever he wants because china's behind him like and i i did like it the match was a bit of a slow burn as i said methodical uh, but clean as as ever because it's Kurt Angle and Chris Jericho on their prime. Like, um, um, what else do I have? The crowd was hot. Just two great wrestlers equals a good match. Um, Angle winning was kind of expected because he, uh, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was kind of on his big kind of debut role. He was still mm. feeding off that momentum, and it's kind of ex- I, I, I'd say at the time it was kind of expected that he was going to win, but then it kind of it was used to set up kind of a little bit of friction between Jericho and China. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a good decision to have these two in the opener, especially over the IC titles. I mentioned about work rate that is seen as the workers' title. They will have better match in the future. I mean, uh, they have a match in the quarterfinals of the 2000 King of the Ring, which I would recommend people go and check out. That's a really good match. I've seen that a number of times. But I do agree that it started off slow because like, you've got Jericho trying to do a line sort of the sets, and basically his feet just catch Angle and nothing else does. But then Angle takes control back in the ring with a belly to belly off off and there are some good moments here Angle does hit the, the Angle Slam and at first it was called the Olympic Slam and GR is now probably calling it the Olympic Slam uh, because like when because when he first won the European title it still didn't have a name because when he hit Val Venus with it to win the European title Michael Cole said that fireman, that fireman care that Angle does yeah um, <laughs> I there's a lot of examples of that where like finishing moves don't get names for a while but um but it was kind of, it was kind of, it's one of them, like, when you think about it, Olympic Slam, synonymous with Kurt Angle, it's, what, what, what else would they have called it? A back body, a back body slam. But, um, no, um, yeah, fantastic name. Before I talk about, like, the finish, what I did notice is when Angle's on top, he's working over the arm, which is interesting because he's, the ankle lock doesn't become, like, a thing for Angle for, like, another year, I don't think. Like, in the lead up to WrestleMania 17, and he'll be using it by then because, he has a thing with him and Benoit using their submissions against each other, but for now the ankle lock isn't his move. I think it's, a lot of people still think of it as like a Ken Shamrock move. So it's weird to see Kurt Angle working out body part but not going after the leg because I think of Kurt Angle as the guy who does the ankle lock. Yeah, I'd say this was just before he kind of started like fully using the ankle lock and because um, like working over working over body parts 
something that was has been lost. But NXT have recently brought back with the kind of Kyler Riley Finn Balor Pete Dunne trilogy man, like the, th- those matches that they brought back work in the body part perfectly and storytelling. And it's really cool to see like a body part being worked over because there's so many times today where you see a body part being worked over and then they forget that their arm is hurt and they just start using it like it's normal. Or, God forbid, there's been instances where someone has worked over a left leg and they've sold their right leg. So <laughs> it was great to see people who know how to do their job doing it really well here. Um, I don't know what he was... I don't know what he was working on it for. I don't know what he was kind of trying to... Um, like working over the arm to try and achieve but maybe it was just trying to um maybe uh kind of let lessen the line tamer maybe try and get like less tension on the line tamer if jericho had a chance to lock it in but you know no no i i, re- I really like the psychology of the match of the old school matches yeah because i don't think it really factored in much of well anything they yeah, i'm working over the arm because they didn't really play into the finish jericho uh, after he hits the angle slam and it gets it to you know, he let you forget about his old sportsman thing and trying to be people's hero because he tries to get their client out as a weapon, but the referee uh, leave it to him why he takes it off of him and then Jiggle walks in the, the line team or really bridges back on it, but Angle does get the ropes. They go to the outside, he tries to use the European title, and then China tries to stop him and basically shoves her off and hits she goes like basically arse first into the steps and then does a very dramatic fall uh, <laughs> on the outside. You know, it's that kind of acting shot that gets you a bit part in Third Rock from the Sun. And so, like, while the referee's checking her, Jericho rolls Angle back in, goes to the line stop, but the Eric Cornell title's still in the ring. So Angle holds it up, Jericho hits his face off the IC belt, and Angle basically <laughs> hides it, and then pin, it's a pin on Jericho to become the Eurocontinental champion. A very, like, smart finish here, you know, very, like, sneaky from, from Kurt Angle, not basically. Try out like everybody's hero when really he's a sneaky conniving bastard. And then you have Earl Hebner coming out arguing with Tim White because he saw the angle she is, but they don't reverse the decision or anything. And that will, and I did not expect that to come back the way it did later on in the night. Yeah, um, really, really good opener. Um, it makes sense to have, like, when you look at that card, that was the that was the kind of match that I would put on first if it wasn't the main event. Um, but yeah, um, Really, really enjoyed on it. Yeah, great way to get get me into the show with someone who hasn't seen it. So I kind of, I really, really enjoyed that. Two people I knew, so it was really, really, really good start. Yeah, it was about ten minutes and fourteen seconds that went. Our strongly said opener and uh, angle continuing these like meteoric rise, like going up when he already has two titles and like four months of being a full time like on screen character. Uh, we go backstage to the Dudley Boys talking about their upcoming tag team title shot against the New Age Outlaws. Uh, at one point, I think his brother says we've got two words for you, 3D, which mm-hmm. is not two words. It's a let- It's a number and a letter. Yeah, I mean, three T-H-R-E-E, but I'm pretty sure um, Mr. Dudley was not just talking about the word three, but you know. Um, but Bob was never known for his uh, intelligence or IQ. No, definitely not. And they show a replay of an uh, angle from SmackDown where the Dudleys were trying to put uh, I believe it was a crow dog to a table and then there was a bit of a scuffle and like Bubba was standing on top of the table and he was getting a powerbomb through it so I don't know what he was planning on there but basically it was so that he could be standing on top of the table bent over and Billy Gunn got the most hate I've ever seen him get on a famous or to hit, it, hit Bubba Ray through the table but unfortunately in doing so you see him land on one side of his arm Billy Gunn fucked his rotator cuff uh, on that spot so he's going into this match hurt 
and would leave TV soon to, uh, to get surgery on it. And you can tell as soon as the match starts because they get Billy right out the ring very quickly. Yeah, and this is where the lead pipe spot happens, isn't it? When they write him off. Um, is this where they write, they write him off in the ring where Bubba just absolutely smokes him with a lead pipe in the arm? Yeah, because like, there's a point where I think Billy forgets he's met a kind of a cell in his eyes because like he gets knocked off the apron and met a hip face first. And so he kind of turns around and then goes, ah, my face. So he can cover his eyes so he kicks so he can pretend that he doesn't see Bubba but it happened with the pipe. But yeah, it happens like very quickly on. That's like further damage in it so he can go. I think he had to get surgery and he was out for like several months. I think at some point in the next couple weeks on TV, they'll have Triple H and that kick him out of uh, of DX. So like when he comes back, he starts his, uh, his next attempt at a singles push as the one Billy Gunn. Yeah, which you will get on to, which you will get on to later in this beautiful um, series. Um, yeah, comment. I mean, I wrote ass. I don't know why in my notes. I mean, you got to write ass when, when the ass man comes out. Um, two great tag teams, but this tag match was nothing special for me. Um, didn't really. I mean, it was Billy was hampered, but I mean, Bubba was never one of the better worker. None of these were. None of, in in the. In the nice way possible, these guys were good tag teams, but they were not the best workers in the world. Like they, they did what they they did what they did well. But like, as far as like a tag team match goes, I I don't know about you. Like it might have been it was enjoyable, but it wasn't like wow, this is a great match. No, the Outlaws aren't one of my favorite teams. One of my main complaints is because thanks to the Attitude Era progress, I now can see a running pack with most of the Outlaws matches in that. It's Road Dog getting worked over most of it before he tags in Billy. And they kind of did that a year, but they had to because they basically had Road Dog getting worked over and doing most of the match by himself. And then also they blamed Billy later on for the loss, even though he didn't, because he didn't see Billy getting hit with the pipe. And like you can tell how bad Billy is because when he does get a bit of a hot tag, uh, but when he's every spot he does, he's hot, you can see him favoring his arm. He even hits a famous or immediately goes back to the arm. But after he's been hit with the pipe on the outside, Road Dog is left two on one, gets hit with the 3D. Five minutes 20, this went. A very definitive one for the Dudleys to claim their first uh, tag team title in the WWF. The last time that they was, I believe, would team together on pay-per-view in WWE until 2013, when they had that long mini like comeback run. Because going forward, Road Dogs now going to be teamed with X-Pac, where all Billy's out. Yeah, it was what it was. Now, uh, it wasn't the best tag match on the show, um, unsurprisingly, with the two matches that were on it. I just, just can't... I, I don't know what it is. Um... I mean, whose tag team return was better? The Dudleys or... Uh, I think the New Age Outlaws would take it on that one. I don't know if you watched both of them quite intently, but I think the, the New Age Outlaws had good matches with like the Shield and the Usos and um, won the tag titles, I think. Whereas the Dudleys... That Dudley return was weird. I don't know. Sorry to go off, off topic from the um, from the, uh, from the the show, but I found like when the Dudleys came back, I thought they would have put the tag belts on them, but they just never pulled the plug on them. Yeah, I, I hear you saying... I didn't like. Uh, I, I liked the return. They had the better like return moment, but in yeah. terms of an overall run, yeah, I'd say the Outlaws had them beat because they, the Outlaws did a lot to get people over. Like they won the tie titles, and then they lost them to the Usos. They put them over, then they put over the Shield by getting squashed at WrestleMania. Whereas the Dudleys put people over to such an extent that it made you not want to see them anymore. Yeah, that was bad. Like I think the last match was like a tables match against the Wyatt family or something like that. Or- so, something, yeah. I remember in uh, 2016, I saw the Dudleys as both the Dudleys and Team 3D in the one year, 
where like I saw them on the post mania like UK tour as the Dudleys. And then in November that year, they came to ICW as Team 3D. So I got to see them twice in the one year. The two faces uh, of 3D. <laughs> yeah, because I'd seen them at like a, I'd been at a TNA live in 2013, but they were in like separate matches. Because you had um, uh, Bubba as Billy Ray in one match and Devon was in a different match as part of like Aces and Eights. So and I'd never seen them live as a team until that year. I got to see them twice. Yeah, um, we're if you can't tell, guys, we're just trying to avoid talking about the next match. Oh, I just moved. Uh, yeah, uh, Q oh. Q Big E saying big meaty men slap meat. That's what that's. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's meat. It's more fat. You know that bit of fat on your steak. You have to cut <laughs> off, like and put it, put it off to the side. Like, but I will say about like, this like tag match. I thought it was interesting that like they're not my favorite tag team, but Jr. called them. Possibly, one, possibly the greatest tag team in the history of the WWF, and I'm like looking at who beat them and the two teams that are going to wrestle later on. And it like, oh, you you haven't seen anything yet, Jr. Just you wait for the next mm. year of, of glorious tag team wrestling. Yeah, uh, good call, Jr. But um, <laughs> but no, <laughs> in, yeah. the, in the in the nicest way possible. No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, we have Angle showing celebrating his win amongst the fans. You know, he's throwing. They're like, ah, I did it. This is before you would incorporate milk into your celebrations. But, yeah, the match that you referred to that we're trying not to talk about, Mark Henry taking on Viscera, because Mark Henry is dating Mae Young. She is pregnant with his child. Uh, and Viscera hit a splash on Mae Young on Raw. And then there was a bit of a brawl between these two on Sunday Night Heat uh, to build this match. Uh, yeah, I don't know really what to say. It went 3 minutes 44, and somehow... The fans still chanted boring during it, so how you can get boring chants in a three-minute match is an accomplishment. Yeah, so two minutes of this were Visser just beating the shit out of Mark Henry, and Mark Henry stole from fair enough. Throw him into the steps. I think he just fell around the place, and Visser has happened to make contact with him a few times. Um, mm-hmm. And then May Young made the save because, because yeah, because May Young has the power. A pregnant Mae Young has the power to overpower Vister. That makes sense. <laughs> I mean, Mae Young's been quite great, good on TV. Like the APA have officially become APA, and like Mark Henry, like got beat up by the Hollies, and they accidentally knocked down uh, Mae Young a couple of weeks ago. And so Mark Henry paid the APA to watch Mae Young while he went to deal with the Hollies, and then Mae Young beat uh, the APA in a car game, won all their money, but then gave them the money back. If they would beat up the Hollies for him. Yeah, um, I love Attitude Era Starlands. <laughs> also, uh, a fun thing for people who didn't check out the, uh, the Go Home episode of SmackDown Review that we did last week, uh, a notable thing that happened on the signing before this that will be a big thing going forward is that Crash Holly is finally a hardcore champion. He won the title on the Go Home SmackDown. But doesn't get to be on the pay per view. <laughs> you get one or the other. You can't, you can't have it all. We don't like you that much. But yeah, um, sexual chocolate, enough said. <laughs> I think we can move on. Yeah, like, okay, like, Viscera was in control for most of this match. I can't really, I didn't really notice that much. That was no other than, like, you know, the stuffing in the sets and the fact there was boring chance. Viscera does set an impressive looking Simone drop. And uh, when Mark Henry kicks out, Viscera looks annoyed. Not because he didn't win, but as if, like, say, like, oh, I need to continue this match. I need to do more physical exercise. And he just looks like he wants to go sit backstage. He's already sweating profusely, and he's been out there for two minutes. But yeah, thanks to me, Young getting involved, 
Berserk goes to Splasher, but then Mark Curry does like a shoulder tackle. And he doesn't even hit the world's strongest slam, he just hits a slam. He uses a standing body slam. And then after a couple of seconds delay, realizes, oh yeah, I need to pin him. Pins Mr. for the win in under four minutes. I could have done without this, to be fair. Yeah, um, this is a SmackDown match, <laughs> really. Uh, this could have done with being on SmackDown. You could have had Crash. You could have had Crash on the on the. Uh, or was it Crash who won the belt or Hardcore? Uh, Crash won the. Yeah, 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 yeah. We could have had Crash on the. Uh, we could have had Crash on the show instead of this. Come on, Smack. Come on, Vince. Like, uh-huh. like, come on. Could have, could have had the Bullyhood stream. Could have come true. The next match was a lot better. <laughs> yeah, the next match was was a lot better, Billy. Because you're saying, like, no, you don't get Crash winning the title on the pay you. You get Vistara versus Mark Henry, and you will deal with it. Because, like, you had that brawl on Heat, and I think, like, that's where this match should have stayed. Sunday Night Heat, that's a perfect place for this match. Yeah, um, and less said about it, the better. But, yeah, um, Scott, uh, the only way I can open the next bit with is um, Jerry Horney for Terry. (laughs) Like... Like genuinely, I have the Hardy Boys come out. And I was like, yeah, and there's Terry, there's Terry Runnels. Fair enough. Yeah, she looks nice. I'll admit, I agree with Jerry. What I don't agree with is him for five minutes just relentlessly going on about it, and then going, oh, her puppies are peeking out. I'm just like, what are you doing, man? It's the like, before before that happened. Yeah, Jericho backstage because Angle keeps getting shown celebrating, and I just put my notes in one line. Jericho is angry. Cuts a nothing promo because basically saying like. There's, nothing, there's no friction between me and China. It wasn't her fault. But if Angle keeps rubbing it in and celebrating, I'll basically beat him up, basically. That's what he says. Yeah, like, never. It's a, it's a bland baby face promo from Jericho. And it lacked his usual charisma. Yeah, never, ever be the <laughs> same again. Yeah, but anyway, sorry. Uh, sorry, I skipped past the, uh, the, the, horn, the horny Jerry who distracted me from Jericho's beautiful bland promo. <laughs> but... I, I've developed an unnatural dislike for Terry Reynolds. Like, I shouldn't hate this woman as much as I do. And I don't even think it's her fault. I think it's because every time she, it's what Jerry Lawler says every time she's out that makes me hate her, when it's really Jerry Lawler commentary I should be angry at. Yeah, so, we'll get, yeah, we'll get onto the spot later in the match. It just really annoyed me. Um, yeah, like, she, she was taking out, the I think it was the Raw after the Rumble, the Dudley's birth through a table. You know, there was a spot where where Devon was going to punch her, and Bubba Ray goes brilliantly. What what show, what uh, what courtesy by Bubba Ray this was? He goes, "Why would you punch a woman in the face when you can put her through a table?" <laughs> no, did nothing half arse this big Bubba, but they put her through a table. She's not been seen up until this show. You know, she's been out for weeks. Mind you, but it's Tory. We see her on got tombstone. She was back the very next week in her next brace. So, Tory. Tougher than Terry. That's what we've learned here. Mm-hmm. So she's apparently paid the APA to come around the ramp in case the Dudleys come out because she's scared the Dudleys might come at her again. Uh, the Hardys and Edge and Christian, they lost. It was a three-way match. I think it was Christian, uh, Matt Hardy and Devon in a three-way match. And Devon won that match, which meant that's why the Dudleys got their tie title shot earlier on. So now it's these two teams seeing who goes to face them. You'd presume at WrestleMania. More on that in the weeks to come. But then they've been teaming uh, a little bit on the last couple, over the last week. But now there's some tension between the two teams as they can't work together. And now they're going to settle in this match and see who becomes the number one contenders. Uh, Terry Reynolds, I wouldn't even call it a shirt she's wearing. I mean, half her tits is or half her tits are already out. 
Like, she might as well be wearing a thin sheet of trace paper. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure people back then were not complaining. Uh, I'm sure they had their VCRs recorded. Um, but yeah, um, I'm a big fan of um, their tag wrestling that I've seen from this era because I think the closest to it now is uh, AEW. I think AEW are slowly getting back to where there's more than one tag match on a card and they're doing the tag matches quite well now. They've got a great tag division, a really, really solid tag division with some, like, for example, this week you've got the main title storyline with the Young Bucks and, and the Inner Circle. But on the undercard, you've got one of the best stories with Jungle Boy, with the Jurassic Express and uh, FTR, which is a fantastic storyline. Whereas here, you had a number one contenders match on a pay view that felt really huge, and you had that title match that was that was just there that because it's a title match, it was solid. But you also have sub. You you don't because in WWE nowadays, if you're not in the title picture, you're in a, you're you're wrestling singles matches against one member of the tag team against another, one member of the tag team against another. Tag match, schmoz finish. You play, you get into a triple threat with a singles, like a six man with a singles wrestler. And if you're not the new day, then you're not going to be in the title picture that much. Yeah. Whereas, where, whereas here, I, I do love the new day, and I do think they're they like they do a lot of good stuff. But I don't see like outside them, the tag divisions in WWE are just not good. The, the booking is just isn't good. Maybe the tag teams are, but it's not good. And this is. Where it was at its peak, where you've got two really solid tag matches on your on your card. Yeah, because like you look at the Raw and SmackDown tag division. I mean, SmackDown especially. We talked about the Chamber. You had Cesaro and Daniel Bryan beating Ziggler and Rude, who are the SmackDown tag champs, in order to get into the Chamber. And like you know, they've got no interest in the tag titles, even though they beat the SmackDown tag team champions. So your tag champs are being used as a stepping stone by two singles wrestlers to get into another match to earn a shot at the main title. So. And like the thing about the title match earlier on is that you know it probably went as short as it did because of a uh, Billy Gunn's injury. You know probably the Dudleys were more than likely gonna win anyway. But and uh, the fact that it was so short actually made the Dudleys even more dominant by beating the Outlaws the way they did. But I think it's better that these two teams got the time to actually go out there and and showcase themselves. The Hardys I noticed like at the start were being slightly more heelish than usual. Yeah. They were actually like next to Christian. You got Matt kicking Christian with them. Come on, Christian. Come on, Christian. And there's a point where Jeff Hardy does a springboard moonsault to Christian. And if he'd moved Christian any further to the ropes, he would have completely fucking missed them on that move. Yeah. He just manages to catch him. Uh, great, like, change of, like, strikes and shots between Matt and Christian. Uh, but eventually, Edge gets a hot tag. That seems to be the thing with Faith, Edge and Christian, is that Christian gets worked over and Edge gets the hot tag. Uh but then Christian does his wee dive to the outside. You gotta love the outlaws, just, not the outlaws, the, uh, the acolytes sitting in the uh, standing in the aisle, we just kind of looking at the match. The case looking back at the entrance track, like easiest payday Bradshaw and Farouk have ever had. Yeah, um, the it was nice to see them establish a little bit of a heel tendency because you know it works in a match that you kind of face versus face and heel versus heel are very hard to do correctly, especially in tag wrestling. Um, Christian just does the simplest things very well, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's doing in, uh, back when he uh, hopefully he's back now and hopefully gets a Mania match. But it's an amazing return at the Rumble. But he did simple things very well. Um, tag um, tag wrestling was just, just really, really solid tag wrestling. I'm going to be a bit controversial and say he went on a tad too long, um, like a little bit, like maybe could have shaved about five minutes off it. Um, I'm not sure. 
uh, where you think, well, maybe fought between three and five minutes, maybe it was shaved off because it dragged a little bit in the middle. Like, I, I don't know if they were trying to stretch it out, but it dragged a little bit in the middle for me. I'd say maybe that they gave it some extra time because of like, the Outlaws match going as short as it did. Because I don't think they were ever planning on uh, the Viscera versus Bloody Mark Henry going longer than it did. And I think even then, I think that was too long. But yeah, there were quite a lot of false finishes towards the end. It went a total of 15 minutes and 5 seconds, this match. So it went quite well, you know. Yeah, quite, by the end, they kind of ramping up the, the false finishes. You've got Edge hitting Jeff with a pile driver out of nowhere. Uh, spear mid rope spear was huge as well. Brilliant yeah, because they went for like poetry in motion. Yeah, Matt celebrating because he doesn't realise that Jeff got out with the spear. Uh, Jeff nearly kills himself because mm-hmm. he hits a hurricane rod on Edge and basically lands on his own head as he does the move. That is not the and that is not the last time he nearly died in this uh, in this match or segment. We'll go on to that in a minute. But um, oh yeah, let's talk about this segment. Let's sorry this this spot. Um, Terry, right? Terry turns on Jeff by pushing him off the top rope. Or Matt, I don't know. Yeah, it was Jeff. It was Jeff. Yeah, and Jerry Lawler says he didn't see it because he was looking at Terry. <laughs> now, I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not a fool, and I don't I know you're not a fool, Scott. But she pushed him off the top rope, and Jerry said he didn't see it. Because he was looking at her, flipping hell like Jesus, like the oxymoron, and that. like it's either a hell of a lot of testosterone or alcohol or a mix of the both. Because Jesus Christ, that's a terrible call, <laughs> a really bad call for a for a good heel turn. But Jesus, Jerry on commentary just took me out of this, being like with his blatant stupidity. Uh, I don't think I think it was a case of like he was looking at her. He wasn't looking at all of her. He was looking at a very specific area of Terry. They wasn't sure what the rest of her were doing, because like yeah, like some of the lines he came out like when Terry came out because it's sort of like return. He said it's great to see her back, and her front's not bad too. <laughs> and that was the more that was the more intelligent of like the things he said in this match. But yeah, like, like I said, the ramping up the body as you got Manchester doing their event Omega finish where they did the elbow drop, uh, leg drop combo. Uh, there's like a double pin spot, even though like. One team isn't legal, so I don't know why the refs count both of them. Because if they kick out, it doesn't fucking matter. But yeah, yeah. Jeff pushed off because they're going for like the twist of fate. Because like, occasionally Terry gets up in the apron when she's not meant to, and the Hardys keep looking at her like, "What are you doing?" And then yeah, she just shoves Jeff and gets up to like the barricade outside. And then Matt hasn't seen it, so Matt goes for the twist of fate on Christian. He gets shoved into Terry. He kind of stops himself, and then she just slaps him in the face. And Christian hits the unprettier, and the Asian Christian win. Terry raises Edge and Christian's hands. They look baffled by it. And then I think Matt may have missed his cue because Terry's hanging around the outside for quite a while before Matt grabs her. Like, guys, like, what the hell are you doing? Oh, I should also say, uh, you, you got confused earlier on about which one she pushed off. At the start of the match, uh, GR couldn't figure out who was Matt and who was Jeff. And, Je- and Daryl actually had to be the one to say, like, well, Jeff's the one with the crazy blue hair. <laughs> it's the one with always the colour in her hair and like that's pretty much it yeah Matt's the one with the dark hair who isn't tra- who isn't nearly killing himself every second move yeah um, speaking of killing himself every second move um, <laughs> the APA come in and attack and Farouk tries to get her Jeff up for a powerbomb and you can see he's screwed it already and he tries to lift him up and lift him up and lift him up and when he 
when when he decides that it's safe, he plants him straight into the ground, and Jeff lands head first into the ground, not neck, not back, head and neck just straight into the canvas. It was disgusting. Mm. Yeah, because like they they grab like Matt specifically grabs Terry. JP go to late leave because they think all the Dudleys didn't come out. Then they see their grandma's up. We're meant to protect her, so we'll go be at the Hardys to get make good use of our money. And yeah, like you can see him struggling to get him up. And you think like if he just hits like a version of like a power bomb, it might be all right. But like Brooks clearly going for like some sort of dominator plate move, which is risky at the best of times. But when you can't properly get him up, and like Jeff, like knackers that, and he's that much lighter than Brook, but maybe. Jeff like needs to also jump up a bit to get himself up for a move, but he's clearly knackered. He can't get himself up, and so anything that could have went wrong did. Yeah, um, really good match. Dragged a little bit. Jeff Hardy nearly got killed. Water is yeah. wet. Water is wet. In other in other in other news. Um, how he, how he, how these four guys, by the way, are still going today? Well, Matt's technically our manager, but he wrestles occasionally alongside Private Party. Yeah, Matt's wrestling on the pay-per-view next. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you got Christian uh, came back. He might be back for more matches. Edge is going to challenge for one of the two main like titles at WrestleMania. You know, it might have already chosen by the time this comes out. I'm assuming. I think rumour is that it's going to be him versus Roman. And, like, Jeff is in the WWE title elimination chamber, even though he, no. he shouldn't be. No, yeah. And then Jeff. Yeah, I don't know what don't know what's going on with Jeff at the moment. He's he's a good wrestler. They're just not booking him properly, and then they're putting him in this match, which doesn't help. But I enjoyed this match. Um, then we just got whiny. I think I think the next segment was just whiny Big Show. No, that's a bit later on. I think. No. But, uh, well, I think I don't think I probably made a note of when Big Show was promised, so we'll talk about it after this. But Edge and Christian have an immediate interview where uh, Christian basically says we didn't know what was going to go on. I don't think we meant for it to go down that way. But then Edge goes, hey, Matt and Jeff probably would have taken advantage of the same opportunities if the shoe was on the other foot. And that's so Terry's not managing these two. She's not doing anything with the APA. She's just, well, I think she's just WF picking. Women are awful. And they're all out for themselves. And you can't be trusted. <laughs> and, and I think maybe Edge saying to Christian, like, no, we should be happy with the way we were, even though it wasn't clean. I'm hoping that means this is the first step towards heel Edge and Christian because face Edge and Christian suck it yeah they have so bad yeah they have that natural healy charisma about them like um single stars they could play good baby faces mm-hmm. put together yeah um i think nowadays they could do if they were to do if they did want to fill the pay-per-view um edging christian versus jay uso and roman in a chairs match is what i would pitch is what i would pitch i think that would make really re- really good sense in the storyline but back then 100 they're young they're brash and um, the the face stuff they just kind of this promo I remember sorry I skipped over I, the reason I skipped over is because it was it was weird I don't know why I got up it was a really weird kind of just they didn't say anything <laughs> yeah they didn't really say much and it was just like weird it's like what are you doing it's a bit um, directionless um, but yeah uh, yeah it's they they, they 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 could do with more of these post backstage interviews on the pay-per-view nowadays they usually just put them on their doubly exclusive kind of you have to find them on their like doubly exclusive kind of youtube tab but yeah no i, I like the uh, post-match interviews because you get real emotion mixed with the character work which is good 
Yeah, because like, this is very the same issue that I mentioned with the Jericho interview, and in that like both of these like didn't accomplish really anything, and like there was clearly no direction because like all these these guys and Jericho are all very naturally charismatic, and yet weren't somehow able to put that across. I mean, granted, Edge and Christian just wrestled the match, but they had to have known they were going to do an interview like immediately after their match, and so could have thought of something. Whereas Jericho, that was clearly taped a while after his match, or maybe it was done even before because. Jericho didn't even look that tired during his like his interview, and like so yeah, it just accomplishes nothing. As does like as you said, I will talk about it here. Why you need a big show? Like why are you booing me? Because he had a similar promo on the Go Home SmackDown where he basically replays his footage of the Rock, the Rock feet touching the mat, and it is the way he winds up. But look, the Rock feet touched the mat. Oh, why? Are you still, why do you still hate me? I won the Royal Rumble. Man, there is no bounds to how much I hate this. And just, <laughs> I, I'm uninterested in Big Show whatsoever. Like, it uh. was, it just wasn't good. Like, it, no, like, no offense, but like, I, I get it's a means to an end. Like, it's a, like, it's, it's a kind of just a way of kind of the storyline continue because of what happened at the Rumble. But my God, why is he even there? Like, geez, was Big Show ever like, you know, was that like, Correct me if I'm wrong, but like, was Big Show ever likable, or was was did he ever have a good run, like a like a good program? Was there any good programs he ever had, or was it all either I'm a cry baby face, or I'm a henchman for some random dude? Maybe both on the same night sometimes, because there is about forty Big Show face and heel turns. Scott, can you pinpoint the moment where you liked the Big Show? Uh, I liked them in 2004. Because I was very young, and uh, there was an episode of SmackDown that aired on my birthday that year, where Big Show was meant to return in two weeks. Big Q returned that night, and there was a lum- big like lumberjack match, and everybody got in the ring and fought. So there were twenty guys, and then Big Show makes his return and kills everybody. And that, I thought that was cool. Uh, I got back into wrestling about two thousand nine when he was doing his run with Jerry Show. I liked that. Uh, he's got a kind of entertaining run after WrestleMania, where he does the weird impersonations. Where he does like the showster and things like that, but you know, yeah. I mean, this is per- this is just be what I personally find funny. Uh, I liked when Braun Strowman threw him through a cage at one time. <laughs> we like him when stuff happens to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, this match was one that I would never, never really, never really could get was going to be able to get invested in when it when it happened, but. Um, we'll get to that later in the show, but Big Show was just replaying the same thing over and over again and whining like a bitch. Yeah, I, I do have to laugh the fact that yeah, he's, this is two thousand. He's been around for like, twenty odd years, especially in, in, in WWE specifically. And he asked, have you ever have you ever liked him? Well, there was one time in two thousand and four. I, I was I love how specific I got with that answer. His 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 yeah. To be fair. I mean, you have to really dig deep if you're looking for a big show, like in a big show reference. So fair play to you for that one. I mean, I wasn't but a not- fan of him. I wasn't a fan of his long trousers and weird like vest look when he <laughs> when he beat Brock Lesnar that one time in Madison Square Garden. I don't oh, know yeah. what that was all about. Like, it was one of his. It was one of the times he was actually properly like, thin, and that was the most covered up he's ever looked. Yeah. Then what we know today, the, the best thing he's probably ever done is had Vince McMahon shoved up his ass. But um. I wish he got stuck. I wish he got stuck. Um, but yeah, but yeah, um, like his acting was terrible. Like he just didn't know how to be a moany bitch 
there is a lot of people who can play the Moni bitch really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, Big Show wasn't one of them because Big Show struggles with character work because his character changes every two weeks. Yeah, cause like he, he's like seven foot tall. Like he's through the rock. Well, they don't mention it, and he's uh, in the video package for this match. But he's through the rock through a plain glass window at the end of SmackDown this week. That's a pretty like intimidating thing for a giant to just do. He just picks you up and throws you through a fucking window. And so that's what should be the big show this year. Like here, I've got the proof. Rock still makes fun of me. Okay, then I'm going to kill you. And I'm not going to just whine on about the footage I have. I'm just going to prove that I'm the wrong contender by killing you at No Way Out. But no, he somehow does both in the same night. Spoiler, but yeah. <laughs> yeah like, uh, no, it's, it's, you're like, on Smadden, he whined at the start and then still threw rocks to the window. So like, no, just do the stuff where you kill him because uh, you're a giant and no one should be messing with you. No one should get away with taking you like a twat the way the Brock does. Yeah, we won't use the word that Rock used to describe the no. colourful colorful or word that we should never use. But that was used quite profusely back then, and we laughed about it on our last episode that I was when I was on here. Um, but yeah, what, what was up, what was up next? Well, I think we've been trying not to talk about uh, this match because we had a crap match with Viscera and Mark Henry. Then we picked up, we were rewarded after that shit with uh, Edge and Christian Vida Hardy. But then we've been brought way back down again because we have the big boss man and Taz coming out here. Taz. I don't know why he's in this thing with Boss Man. I've watched the, the Snyder before this, and I still don't know why this is happening. Him and Prince Albert are back together again for some reason. And like, I look at, I look at Albert and like, why are you still Prince Albert? Shouldn't you be Albert by now? Oh, dude, dude, can I just say something? He looks fake. <laughs> like, like A Train just doesn't look like. He looks like a video game character. I can't get over. I don't know what it is. Is, I don't know if it's his shoulders. He just looks like the No Mercy version of himself. <laughs> like, it's not even funny. I, I just couldn't get over that. I was like, you don't look real. <laughs> I don't know if it's the really dyed facial hair and, like, kind of just... Or just incredibly Jeff Cobb, shiny singlet. Um, but, like, no, I just couldn't get into this whatsoever. The last time you'll hear Albert and Jeff Cobb in the same sentence. Let, let, let's hope. Wrestling. I'm not. I'm not putting anything past wrestling these days, to be honest. So Taz got attacked uh, on Sunday Heat when uh, he went to go into the locker room, but got attacked from behind by Albert and Bossman. This went one minute, twenty three seconds. Taz goes in, tries to go after the arm, big suplex on the Bossman. There's a bit of a rope before the match officially started. Locked in the Taz mission when Albert came in to attack him. A minute twenty three on fucking pay per view. It was a prolonged beatdown. It was meant to emphasize that Taz keeps fighting. Taz kept coming back after he got beat up. He got the nightstick broke across his back. All the while, the crowd are chatting bullshit. Oh, my uh, God. The nightstick broke in half. Like, that was a vicious nightstick shot at the end. Again, talking about things that should have been on Sunday Night Heat, what the fuck was this? Yeah, the, you, you know what the best thing about this was? I learned something, and I popped for I was like, oh, shit, it's Teddy Long as a ref. I know that voice. I had no idea he was a ref. I don't even know why. I probably should have known that. But I was like, I, I heard the voice and I was like, tag team match? Holla, holla, play. Oh my God, it's him. Like I, I think he was a tag, he was the referee during, I think it may have been the Dudley's beat out. I know it was one of the tag matches. But I tried, I made sure he made that to my notes. I forgot I mentioned it. Teddy Long ref, the tag team match player. <laughs> Sorry, I just took a drink of my smoothie and you said that and I nearly choked. <laughs> I nearly choked. 
Um, but yeah, it's great to see Teddy. We love Teddy. Um, he, all he wants is his money, as he said on him, as he said on Talking Shop Mania. He's just here for his money. See, like we, we were, they were teasing Taz on the Go Home Show for the Rumble. Me and you talked about, it, and then he also made his debut. Batter's angle, and since then, you know, he had a, a he basically beat the the Main Street Posse in a handicap match, but it was a clunky sale match because it's the Main Street Posse. Uh, he, he squashed like the Gangrel and that on TV and some other lower card people. So then he got this thing with the boss man, which may seem look tough, but like, see if you want to make him look tough, how about you have him choke out the boss man and then Albert and not make a sense to this prolonged beatdown because, like, in just the face of a month, he went from choking out Kurt Angle and now Angle's leaving the show with two titles and he's, like, being helped by a referee after he got a night out broke off his back. Man, they really made the crowd wait for their main event down. <laughs> Jesus <sighs> Christ. The less said about it is the better. That's all we have. Yeah. It's, it's a, the crowd is a child that doesn't want to eat its vegetables and the hell in the cell is the dessert that's been promised if it eats all its shitty vegetables. That's the best way I can describe some of the matches like Buddy this and the fucking Viscera match earlier on. Just eat your fucking shit. Yeah. Um, just fuck off. Back to heat. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, Taz, I mean, coming out, you knew it was a bad thing. Because they're like, Taz, you know, he's the, that classic overachiever because he's short. And, like, they, instead of, like, oh, beat me if you can, survive, violate you, they gave him the catchphrase a couple weeks ago of, you may beat me, but you'll never defeat me, or something like that, like, which <laughs> makes no sense. So, like, they're trying to make him, like, this scrappy underdog because he happens to be short. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, yeah. God, I, I can't put, I, I cannot put into any more words how much I fucking hated this. So, you know, I'll look up to more optimistic things as Kane versus Xbox is up next. And it has, I thought, a very good video package. You know, highlighting everything that happened with Kane and Xbox. I even showed some clips from like late 99 when the team first formed. You know, and technically you guys have been feuding since October when Kane got betrayed by Xbox the same night that DX got back together. You had Kane and Xbox feeding Kane won by DQ at uh, Survivor Series, beat Xbox in a steel cage at Armageddon, which I'd recommend people check out if they haven't seen it. And then Xbox mentions the thing with him and Tori at Christmas, but they left out the fact that the reason he was with Tori at Christmas is because Kane lost a match to the Big Show when Big Show was still a face. And so Stephanie and Triple H were running the show and they said, OK, you can challenge the Big Show for the title, but if you lose, Tori must spend the holidays with Xbox. And so as soon as Kane lost, the outlaws abducted Tori, basically, and then she disappeared for a couple of weeks. Came back, said that Xbox was a gentleman, but then every time a guy looked anywhere in her direction or acted a bit funny towards her, or someone said, oh, did you hear what this guy said about Tori, even though they were usually lying, she would set Kane on them for weeks. And then it was proved it was all a ploy because she's secretly with Xbox, and Kane disappeared, like, sadly walking off, like, with like Hello Darkness, my old friend should have been on it as he was walking out <laughs> into the snow. And then he returned a few weeks ago with his cool reverse gear alongside Paul Bear, who hadn't been seen in almost like six months, I think, at least, because he was on a couple of episodes of the like, early SmackDown. But then Undertaker just dropped him as part of his ministry. So Paul Bear disappeared. He came back with Kane. And Kane, with the help of Rotten Cactus Jack, beat the big show and Triple H in a handicap match to get this no holds barred match with Xbox. Um, man, I have so many questions. 
Like, well, like, well, also, something they decided to leave out of this video package and the, the main event one is like both Kane, Paul Bear, and Cactus Jack all got abducted a week or so before this. They all got shoved into the the baggage that the DX Express and drove it off. And when the bus came back, they weren't in there. So they were clearly thrown in some sort of mass grave and somehow we managed to escape parts unknown somewhere. Because uh, I don't know why. Uh, Kane Tombstone Tory, by the way, uh, the Smackdown after he returned, which was way too early. And then uh, the big go-home angle for this feud, Xbox blowing a fireball in Kane's face. <laughs> Fucking W's. WCW called. Jesus. Yeah, only for Jonathan Coachman to show up later in the night and said that Kane's mask may have saved him from any further damage. Like, no shit, Coachman. <laughs> Fuck off, Coachman. <laughs> um, dude, Kane, as a sympathetic lover, turned <laughs> cheated on when he has burnt his family, makes no sense whatsoever. Was the, Am I, as someone who was watching this in a bubble, Am I right in saying this was stupid? I mean, they were making, they're trying to humanise Kane over the last year by making him an Xbox friend, and then Kane learned to speak without his voice box, and then also he had the thing with Tori. So like, Xbox betrayed him, but it's okay, he's got his girlfriend. Now, so basically, no, but everybody that he's trying to get close to has betrayed him, and so the only person that actually cared about him, and I think we're meant to believe, is Paul Bear, because Paul Bear raised him after he was burned alive and he's secretly his father. But that's when you think about it. In late 98, Paul Bear betrayed Kane, went back with The Undertaker, and said, Kane, ah, you, you boy. And Undertaker then revealed that same promo that he was the one that set the fire that burned Kane. So why is he going to Paul Bear in the first place? Uh, dude. I only dude. just realised that. Why is he going to Paul Bear? I mean, Vince has no memory whatsoever, so who cares? Um, I mean, that's a snazzy red blazer that Paul Bear does wear to the ring I will say. I like that, yeah that, he looked good, he looked good but Kane as this sympathetic babyface I just didn't like it whatsoever, the match was okay it was mainly X-Pac getting pulverised, they went up to the entrance cage thing and uh, Bearer chasing Tory. Bearer had a bit of speed on him <laughs> I know, like that, that was one of my favourite moments of this, this match just, like, she, like Kane like, he was the stop X-Pac using a chair Tory gets involved, he slaps him, and this a big the facial expression that Paul Baird pulls is just a sight to behold. He just chases around the ring, and then they kind of get around to the other side where Kane and Xbox are, and realize there's no real plan to end this chase, and these guys are still fighting here. So they kind of he just stops, he just stops chasing her. Like you, know, I wonder what was he going to do when he got his hands on her if he managed to catch up to her. Yeah, um, God only knows. It's WWE. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't wouldn't put anything off limits. Um, but yeah, I don't know what you thought about this match. I thought it was okay. Like it was basic. X Pac was the whipping boy. Um, Tory got tombstone. Oh, okay. Here, yeah. Here's another Jerry. Jerry mom. Drink every time Jerry says the word disfigured. My fucking god. Uh, or like his insistence every day. Like X Pac wants me a joke that Kane's private parts have been burned to a crisp, and so he can't satisfy Tory. And Taylor Lawler, ever since he made that joke months ago. It just just won't stop bringing it up every every chance he gets to do the cane. Obviously, everyone calling the big red R word that we shouldn't say, and just it's just unbearable. But I like the match itself. You know, Kane just battering the yeah, Xbox eventually this like smarmy little dick who stole his bird, and basically the crowd are growing and growing to strongly dislike 
as time goes on, just what if he can just kill him and just throw him about? X Pack heat in full effect. Yep, is is coming here, and Kane just batters him. You get the Bronco bust, but Kane gets right back up. Uh, you get an X Factor, mm-hmm. but Kane kind of gets up from that quite quickly. Hits the choke slam. Yeah, Tori gets tombstoned again, which I think would have been more impactful if they hadn't done it on SmackDown. And Kane hits the tombstone Tori, but then he picks up the steel steps. Uh, but Xbox kicks the steel steps onto Kane, and the, he, he basically pins Kane down with the set, so he can't get up because the steps are above his shoulder, so he can't kick out. X-Pot wins in 7 minutes 50. Yeah, now, that, that finish was so stupid. Like, incredibly stupid. Also, Paul Bear is right there. Paul Bear was right there. He could have just like got up and shoved X-Pot. He had the stamina chase after Tory, but he's lying across the apron after a mild forearm from X-Pot like, a couple of minutes earlier on. He couldn't get up. He can just grab X-Pot's leg and pull him off. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, oh, listen. Uh, you and me both defeat defeats me. That that um, the story and the finish. Um, good match. It wasn't like the match before. I was like just none, no, like nothing, like like not so bad. I can't even get the words. I d- I liked a few things about this match, which is can't be said for the two big man matches we've already had. So yeah, that they had it had that going for it, but I don't think that's a, that's much. Yeah, it was a strong like match thing for what the story was. It was like that you wanted to see Kane destroy X Pac, and then they had the they took advantage of the no holds barred situation because I mean X Pac could try and use all sorts to kind of like get an advantage and try and cheat, but then also means Kane could use all sorts of weapons to hurt X Pac. Well, I think later down, especially after that big video package, so and everything that's happened to Kane over the last few months, Kane should have won here because I think the plan was that. Uh, one stage the plan was that X-Pac would lose to Kane and settle the feud because the feud was always going to end with Kane getting his revenge on X-Pac and they they wanted X-Pac to fight Jericho in a singles match at Wrestlemania X-Pac remembers saying no because he thought the Kane feud should continue to Wrestlemania so they, then they changed it to Kane losing here to get his revenge at Wrestlemania but X-Pac then later said like yeah we should have ended it no way the feud went on too long and I agree yeah um, thank God that feud ended. Mm-hmm. Um, X-Pac was in the middle of X-Pac heat, and uh, I can imagine people just didn't want him to see him at Mania whatsoever. <laughs> but I'm assuming he was. Um, yeah. yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, uh, we're getting closer to the main event is the, be- is the best thing I can say about in the next match. I mean, well, actually, I I, actually, actually, the next match I enjoyed. Sorry, I forgot the, the, the what was before the big show on the rock. Sorry. Yeah, I like this match as well. I mean, I have seen a lot of these, a lot of different combinations of these like different teams fighting each other on TV in multiple like tags or singles matches. We've got the Radicals comprised of Saturn, Malenko, Benoit, accompanied by Eddie Guerrero, who's injured with his little uh, lead pipe. But he gets sent to the back quite early on, taking on Tukul and Rikishi, who are over like Rover. Uh, the Radicals all take their turn, yeah, getting a line in for a promo backstage. Perry Saturn says, Nervous. What does it look like, Michael Cole? Prom night, which makes yeah, no sense. Yeah, no, listen, no sense whatsoever. Eddie, the best thing about this was Eddie. Mm-hmm. Um, Ed, Eddie's just brilliant. Talking about, are you going to be out there with for moral support? And he's like, yeah, moral support. They like said the pipe is like, is this if this is what you call moral support? Then I guess, I guess so. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. Well, 
Eddie's is brilliant at everything. I watched the uh, it was the year anniversary of Eddie and Brock. Watched mm-hmm. that the other watched that the other day. Oh man, man, that is the one match. You, you, everyone has where like the one match I wish I could have been in the moment for. Like I could, I wish I could have been like a fan back then because the internet didn't exist. There was no spoilers or anything. You go home and you watch this, and Eddie and Brock was just perfection, and Eddie was just everything about Eddie. You know, I've come to appreciate Eddie so much, but in a lot of retro reviews, Eddie Guerrero is probably in the top three best. Eddie and Kurt definitely have to be up there for like in the top five best wrestlers of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what I don't like about this is that you know that's so cool, and he's coming out with a cool music, everybody's dancing along, and then I've, I've, people are probably sick of me complaining about this. But I just hate it so much. Uh, when they come out, we're greeted to like the, the really shit, like way starting like the shit Radicals theme song, which sounds like like the old like music they play in the don't download pirate DVDs adverts. That they play the and I, I joked a few weeks ago that it sounds like Jim Johnson had 15 minutes left of his shift and was asked to craft something together for the Radicals and so threw this together. So what what you got first, Jim? Well, first we go... And then we loop that for about three minutes. My God, Jim, you've done it again. <laughs> oh, I love wrestling. I mean, start, no offence to them, but Sartre and Malenko are very generic... Like in terms of the the great wrestlers, but there's nothing going on there personality wise. So this music kind of suits them. Oh, Saturn. Where Ben One Great will come out, it's just yeah, Saturn especially. Like I like Malengo. I like Malengo in this match. I thought Malengo's played his role very well in this match. Mhm. Yeah. Uh, going into this, Rikishi has like an injured ankle that was further injured by DX. Uh, Try to repay the favor that Radicals did for them a week ago on a SmackDown. So, also the Radicals came out. It's a big thing since you were last year. They came in, they were originally faces, working with Cactus Jack. They all got uh, opportunities on SmackDown, but they said you had, to look, you had to win two out of your three matches to get contracts. They all lost. And I think the match with Eddie and Saturn versus the Outlaws, they were meant to win. But the match suddenly got changed, like the finish-wise, because Eddie, that's where Eddie injured his arm. Because he lands wrongly doing a frog splash, he dislocates like his elbow. It, it looked really, really nasty, and so he's now been in the sling ever since. Uh, there was a, maybe a, a smackdown where he was meant to fight Rikishi, even though his arms in a sling, and he, Rikishi got taken out by the radicals before that. It. Was, that was weird. And so, that was and weird. so, Rikishi, so Rikishi gets taken into the ambulance, and Eddie Guerrero comes out and says, "Declare me the winner by forfeit," and then celebrates as if it's a big victory. Yeah, um, that was weird, and he landed right in his elbow. Like, if you had a dislocated elbow, what the? It was just really confusing and weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't really understand that. Like, I love Eddie, but I didn't really understand why he was put in a match with a dislocated elbow. I mean, maybe it's attitude area stuff, and I'm kind of not used to it, but very, very confusing. Yeah, so like, he's injured, and well, well, he's thinks more of a key thing where Eddie's actually injured. And so it's like the Radicals lost their matches and they were going to leave. And then Triple H basically, they made a deal with Triple H to turn heel, turned on Cactus Jack. They had that big 10-man uh, tag of uh, the Radicals that weren't 
uh, the radicals accept Friday, X Pac and Triple H versus Too Cool, Rikishi, Captain Jack and the Rock on that same episode of Raw where Kane returned. And it's one of the best Raw events, I think, of this era. Go check it if you haven't seen it. I will have a look, yeah. 100%. It sounds, sounds like something right up my alley, considering the stuff I've watched, the all the stuff I watch while reviewing these shows with you. Sounds like something that would be very interesting. I think it went nearly like somewhere between 10 and 15 minutes, and like it's one of those matches, those Raw events where the crowd are hot for the entire thing. Like you got Triple H, Xbox, and the Radicals working over Grandmaster Sexy, and the crowd are cheering Grandmaster Sexy like the most over face you've ever seen in your life. It's just a weird time for two cool. Suddenly, they mix it up in this like main event uh, picture, and so they, they start off like very hot. Uh, Eddie tries to hit with said Rikishi with a pipe. They got sent to the bag after that, and then also like, radical take advantage of Rikishi like injury. They keep working over him. Dean Malenko, uh, they got the quick ties coming. Dean Malenko keeps coming in and cut people off, and uh, JR compares Dean Malenko to a rash that won't go away. It's. It's a lot of the, the radicals are just showing off a lot of their kind of technical, just how good they are technically. Um, and it's kind of working around Rikishi. And it, it seems like it's kind of like that match where it's just build, you're waiting for Rikishi to hit that move, if you don't get, get me. Like it's a good mm-hmm. match, but you're just building up for Rikishi to kind of hit the move at the end. Like you get the, uh, you get the old uh, too cool kind of, you get all the too cool greatest hits to put the goggles on and. Uh, hit <laughs> the top rope moves, um, but um, yeah, it was a good showcase for the radicals. Um, I just want to say, like I, I don't know if you say this every time. There's a match with um, with uh, Chris Benoit, but every time he hits that diving headbutt, I just can't. It's an uneasy mm-hmm. mo. It's just an uneasy moment in general, uh, considering what we know now. Um, I don't think diving headbutt should be a thing. Um, they look cool, but Jesus Christ, you shouldn't really be doing that to your head. Um, yeah. But it was a really, really good match. But I felt like it was kind of an obvious. It was kind of one of those like breather before the final two matches. Bit of an obvious finish, but really, really fun. Yeah, I think it was hardly race that uh, first started in the down hip, and he, he came in and said, "Like I never should have started doing that move." So when like the guy who invented the move is telling, is saying that he wishes it never like existed. You know, it's like a dangerous thing. Uh, he does hit the down hit, but in this match, because uh, like Scotty, that Rikishi has, I think it's Saturn down, and he he goes to like set for the bonsai, but then Grandpa's actually convinced him like don't do that, let Scotty come and let him do the worm. The crowd go mental for him doing the worm. Uh, we haven't got to the stage where people was he's doing the the bits so doing the W O R M, but but I think that'll come in time. Uh, so then Scotty ends up getting cheap shots and then isolated by. I sat and uh, the, the rest of the radicals again, quick tag. There's a point where they uh, like, so I think Scotty's down, even though know, I think, obviously, I don't think, I can't remember who's legal because the points in the match, you can't tell who's legal. I think it's maybe Michael Rikisha, but like, uh, Grand Sexy hits uh, Saturn with the leg drop, even though he's not legal, he goes for the pin. And then Benoit hits a diving headbutt on the back of uh, Grandmaster Sexy's head, which looks weird. But then, obviously, even the commentators like, I don't know who the hell's legal in this match. Yeah, um, it's one of those matches where I just can't really keep control of it. Um, there was that happened in the Edge and Christian and Matt Hardy one as well. There was just a bit of a frantic moment mm-hmm. where they, no one knew who was legal. I don't think even some of the wrestlers knew who was legal. <laughs> I don't think they know who, they, who was legal. But um, no, just a really fun palate, palate, the palate cleanser. Um, I was like 
as I say, with a very bad palate, a palate cleanser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because like eventually Malenko gets sent to the post. Rikishi manages to hit the bonsai despite that means he lands on his supposedly injured ankle uh, for the win. What's weird about that? I enjoyed this like, as a fun, like Falcons, like you said, like it's a babyface win, kind of city in between these two matches where the heels spoiler will like, go over. I really think they should have swapped this around and had Kane beat Xbox and then the Radicals beat Too Cool. Because I know Too Cool are one of the hottest things in the company, but it's the Radicals' first pay-per-view as part of the company. And I really thought they could have done with the, the win here. Yeah, if you're building the I do agree with you there. I didn't really know that they were new, but now that you say if they were building the faction, then 100%, um, you need to... Uh, kind of get wins over and win over Rikishi like Rikishi was quite big back like around that time so win over Rikishi maybe like just all hit maybe like they compromised the red the two cool outside and then like all hit their finishers on Rikishi and get the win like or all hit like technical moves and just ground Rikishi down would have been a really dominant kind of just laying hacker yeah because like before Rikishi makes his comeback it looks like uh, Blanco's trying to like keep him down as he's working on the ankle like, this is maybe the, the master of like a thousand holds, and so he, you think he, you're saying he can't like find a way to get one of his supposed thousand holds on Rikishi and make him tap out. Like he locked in one of his holds on like the ankle that he couldn't get Rikishi to tap. And like you said, if they took out Tuku on the outside, like you got Rikishi uh, literally going in there with a target with a big like bandaged foot in this match, so he's got a clear get out here and can get have Tuku get their one back later on. I just really thought that. Because they've said in the interview, like, Bruce Pritchard, they're like, oh, we had big plans for certain members of the Radicals coming in. But it hasn't really felt like that since they've debuted. It felt like, it just feels like they're just, like, the lackeys for DX because they keep getting sent after people who don't like I mean, Benoit got one over the rock a couple of weeks ago, thanks to help from the big show. Oh, oh good old big show. We love big <laughs> show. No, we love big show on here. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, what a man. Speaking of which, as the Rock versus the Big Show, the winner goes to WrestleMania to take challenge for the WS Championship. And we have a video package to remind us that Big Show was an idiot. Because despite the fact that Big Show... Uh, well, first off, Big Show, the SmackDown that we watched, you remember they did that Rumble-style match, where basically Big Show just hoid the Rock out very easily. And instead of doing that same like throw at the Rumble, he chooses to, I'm going to walk around the ring with the Rock on my shoulders. And then they do that like reverse spot where the Rock's won, but he hasn't because his feet have touched the mat, and the Big Show was angry because he feels he got screwed. And so, big, so Triple H sends him around the ringer, like saying, "Like, oh, get me some proof. I've got police. Oh, these are too bloody. Give me some uh, eyewitness statements. I've got the security guy who was standing right there. He thought, well, this is one guy's watch. If you get me some videotape, I'll maybe believe you. And then Big Show actually does provide the videotape, so he gets his match. Even then, Big Triple H the last couple of weeks has been like using uh, Big Show to kind of take people out for him as well, like the Radicals. You have uh, The Rock getting thrown into the DX Express, but somehow managing to escape as the DX Express pulls out and just smashes the Big Show over the head with a 2 by 4 And like you said, Big Show just whining, and then The Rock does the thing on the goal and SmackDown. I have footage of my own, footage of what the Big Show does best. I just featured Rock just doing that. Think about what the Big Show does before he raises his hands up in the air to do like the, the choke slam. Oh, the poor Big Oh, I feel sorry for him now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Big Show. Uh, listen, 
you know. Can't all, uh, you can't, you can't all be can't all be six foot three, full of sex appeal and charismatic <laughs> like The Rock. Sometimes we got to have big shows in the company. Like, also with The Rock, he can, The Rock's clearly looking past the big show to get a Triple H because like, The Rock wants to go to WrestleMania, and like you had The Rock on the Go Home Raw, like interrupting with the, the usual long Triple H DX segment. So you, you can't see this from that. And Rock basically acknowledges what a lot of people hate about Triple H promos. He goes. You come out here, Triple H, every week, and you say, I am the game. Uh, and for the next 20 minutes, uh, I'm going to be talking uh, and saying absolutely nothing. Uh, <laughs> uh, nothing promo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, The Rock, he acknowledges, like, yes, clearly The Rock's feet did touch the floor. But he's not saying, like, oh, my feet may have touched, but I was the rightful one of the rumble i'm gonna prove it. i'm gonna show there's no doubt when i beat you at no way out because i am the main me the face is like yeah i feel touched the floor so what shut up you're stupid <laughs> that's basically the rock's attitude over the last couple of weeks uh yeah um it must be like just the rock talking to his back garden wall like when he <laughs> when he's trying to build this like no offense i'm sorry for burying the big show so much but he just. I no, no, you do you. <laughs> I, I just can't get invested. I just couldn't. I can never get invested in him. And I did. I couldn't get invested in this match. I, I fell in and out of it. To be honest, I don't know about you, but I just. I couldn't get invested in this match until the, the, the final three. The final three <laughs> count because I was just so shocked that it actually happened. Do you want to see? We'll get to it in a minute, but you talk to me and see if you agree with this. But I just, I just couldn't get invested in this match. I mean, you know about burying the big show. I mean, should I listen to some of the shows I did when Big Show was WWF champion? I shit all over that man. So you know, it's nothing new on this podcast. And like with the constant heel and face turns, we'll be shitting on them for months to come. Uh, but yeah, this uh, the Rock and Big Show. Like, big Show has had like a, he's faced the Undertaker and like Kane and those people a lot over the years, and very rarely do they end up having actually good matches. Whereas the Rock and Big Show seem to get paired together quite a lot in this era, and the Rock and Big Show actually seem to do pretty well together. And I remember this match being better than it was, but it was a decent kind of semi-main event spot. Obviously, the fans are all behind the Rock. But, you know, again, I wasn't I wasn't finding myself as invested as I had been the last time I watched it because, you know, I got a couple of texts during this match and I wasn't I didn't feel compelled to wait till after the match to answer them. But, you know, this isn't like a no-hold-to-fire match or any sort of no-DQ thing, but the referee's not doing anything about it because they go around the outside, they go into the barricade, they go oh, sorry, over the barricade, into the crowd, and their big show runs at the rock, and the rock kind of back <laughs> the big show over back into the, the other side of the barricade. You know, rock because they also get worked over by the big show, he gets some gut shots in, but then big show immediately cuts them off again with a sidewalk slam. Big show finally gets a chair, Ebner does nothing about it. And he slings the chair the rock, but manages to miss. And then at one point, the Big Show, I don't know what happens, but Hebner gets knocked down. And so the Big Show hits a choke slam. He's looking all happy himself. But then Tim White comes in. I think I hear Big Show at one point when Tim White slides in. I'm pretty sure I heard the Big Show going, come on, count it, Timmy. And so Tim White goes to count one, two, and it's not the rock or anybody else screwing the Big Show. It's fucking Earl Hebner. He's at it again. Because Earl Hebner pulls Tim White out of the ring and starts arguing and a continuation from the Intercontinental title thing earlier on. And so they start fighting each other. Well, the Big Show's just like, oh. 
And then, your, I'm sorry, your big show impression of two months ago was just. <laughs> 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 you just take me out. <laughs> Which the match, the match took me out of it, but you took me out of that review. <sighs> at that point, the well, technically Vince and Shane's music, but at that point, no chance in hell hit, and I'm pretty sure it still allows the crowd were whole match and possibly the whole night maybe aside from the uh, from the two kill dancing but but they heard that when they hear no chance in hell happening like the first thing that music played or Shane McMahon's been seen since the Raw after Armageddon 99 so it's been a while since uh, him or Vince have been on TV and so when that music hits the crowd go fucking mental they're like oh shit is it Vince or Shane and then they say, oh look at Shane and Shane comes out looks like he's actually going to Help! He's got like little things. Like gets out the referee's fighting. Rock hits the big show with a. The Rock hits the big show with a. Fine, goes for the people's elbow. Terry Lawler's getting into it as he always does. Oh, do you want to lose your fire? And then Shane, the speed of him, you know, he's the best in the world for a reason. Big Shane slides in, grabs the chair, and launches himself. Does a dive and oh, mid air the Rock with the chair right in the face. He just jumped with the chair. There was no hitting with the chair. He just jumped head first with the chair. Do you know that gif? I saw this when the Forbidden Door thing was going on by AW in Japan. You know that gif of the guy just, like, just out of nowhere, just flying head first through his door? And, like, he just breaks the door. That's what changed. <laughs> he just yeeted himself into the, pitch, into the rock with a chair. And then, oh, my God, I can't believe this is big show's going on, man. Like, on the one side... Of uh, the work goes off the side where the or Shade is, brings off the ropes, Shane's on the clear on the outside, and so in the time it takes the rock to go to the other side of the ring and back before he can hit the elbow, Shane with such speed has jumped in the ring, just grabs the chair so quickly, just down like, hiya! <laughs> so Wade just dives through the air, smacking the rock right in, between the eyes. Oh. Big Show doesn't even follow up with like a chill slam, and Big Show just crawls over and covers him. He's Shane McMahon, a, a Shane McMahon chair shot, nobody gets up from that. Like a gazelle. <laughs> like a gazelle beautiful so serene and uh, yeah uh, we love Shane we love Shane uh, uh, Shane Shane was good back then he was okay I mean he was better than he was recently but you know um, couldn't really get invested in this match I was so listen this is one of my notes Scott right where are we not, not my notes uh, I've got so many on this match you know <laughs> Um yeah, could you imagine if Big Show fought for the title of Mania? Oh, for fuck's sake, never mind. I wrote that genuinely before I knew that he won. I wrote, oh. I wrote, I wrote the first bit. Could you imagine? Uh, I saw. I have Shane fuck off here as well. But I have. Could you imagine if Big Show fought for the title of Mania? And then I had to put that. that, that okay, never mind. Afterwards. <laughs> so nine minutes thirty-three. That went. Big Show has beaten the Rock. That means Big Show is is going to WrestleMania for now. So we're setting up for, I think, what a lot of people call one of the worst. Well, I don't think it's one of the worst main events. It's certainly not one of the best WrestleMania main events ever. But, what was it? Was it a triple trap, was it? Oh, this is the famous. Have you not heard the famous McMahon in every corner? Oh, no. That one. Okay. Jesus, no. Yeah, yeah. I remember it. I remember it well. So, yeah. What a tangled web we will be weaving over the next few weeks. When the WrestleMania main event changes, I believe several times before we get what we actually get. Yeah, um, and then a month later, backslash, we get what we should have got. Yeah. Oh well. Correct me if I'm uh, wrong. 
correct me if I'm wrong, Kurt Angle's self-absorbed kind of car park thing was next, and I thought he was great in this. Yeah, and then Jericho and Shayna uh, beat up Angle and threw him in the trunk for having the goal to celebrate the fact that he won the Eric Arnell title tonight. But also, I think I'm pretty sure they play the main event video package and then show Angle, and then Triple H makes his entrance. Somebody got this arse about face, because it should have been Angle, video package, entrances. Like, I don't know what yeah. the hell is that there, because tonally, that was weird, but... I'm surprised, even... I'm surprised Jerry didn't comment on China's tracksuit, but, you know, <laughs> it was a first for everything. Yeah, what is it with people getting abducted and putting, putting cars? Is that, like, an obsession that Vince had when he was writing SmackDown and Raw, like, back then? Just, just what are we going to do? What, what are we going to do to write them off? Put him in a car. Ah, <laughs> uh, but... So yeah, the the main event video package is really centered around the the Hell in a Cell more than the actual story itself because, like, uh, Cactus wanted a another match with Triple H. He said, fine, you have any stipulation you want. Uh, he said, like, you don't want any barbed wire or any thumbtacks that they had in the, the Royal Rumble match. I said, well, okay then. Hell in a Cell and everyone cheered because they're like, oh, Mick Foley in Hell in a Cell. You remember what happened last time? And if you don't, they'll remind you of it for weeks. And then... Triple H said, like, okay, but I want your career if you lose. And McFoley said, fine, if I win, then you don't put me through any shit on the road to WrestleMania. I win. You stay at home at WrestleMania, and I defend the WAF title against the winner of Rock versus Big Show. So maybe we should be happy, sort of, of the outcome we got, because could you imagine a WrestleMania any event? McFoley gets his dream at WrestleMania. Who's he going to face? The Big Show. Oh, jeez. No, 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 no. No, no. You know, you know like Big Show actually faced Mick Foley at the Mania before that, the year before this, where the winner got the right to be the, the special guest referee for Rock versus Austin. And I'm pretty sure like there were plans at one point for if Austin hadn't, didn't go away, for them hopefully to build Big Show up as a monster heel throughout 99 and have Austin versus Big Show as the main event at one point. Or, and, <sighs> and then it changed to Austin v. Rock with one of them turning heel, and then Austin had to get Buddy right out because his neck was royally fucked. Glory days. <laughs> but yeah, no, I love this main event. I thought the psychology was brilliant. The build packages, like, the like the build to this was amazing from what I've gathered. You know, the Royal Rumble match, obviously, was fantastic. And then building to this. I think, that obviously, the Royal Rumble match was a little bit better. The street fight was fantastic. But this Hell in a Cell match, I just like the psychology. It was... Really, really good. You're going to take us through a lot of the main moments, but um, Triple H Mania was running wild at this point, wasn't it? Um, he was. Mm-hmm. There was no way he could be on the undercard. Um, Mick Foley is just mental, and I have one word, and it was just brutal. So yeah, let's let, let's get into it. Yeah, you know, what I like about this is I remember being a fan from like the early 2000s of the movie with a heel Triple H. Is that for a while? Triple H was the guy who, like, whenever putting like big, like gimmick matches with do with weapons or like a Hell in a Cell match, you always hyped up the brutality that comes out of Triple H. That side of Triple H that you see whenever he's in these types of matches, and it was through this feud with Mick Foley that you really started to see the beginning of that. And yeah, Mick Foley is complaining about how the fans, he feels the fans didn't care about most of the match until they went outside, and so how he, cause, like, I talked about with uh, James who. who I told you this with James who causes me with this uh, fuck I can't say my fucking words <laughs> sorry <again. laughs> 
I said I was talking about this with James from the Undisputed Podcast too, with my co-host for a couple of weeks. He said the thing that I really agree with that Mick Foley kind of single-handedly made and kind of broke the hell in a cell stipulation with his spot at kind of the round ninety eight because Mick Foley did promise actually in the weeks leading up to the to no way that he was going to die off the cage again. But this time he said, "I won't be a table I land through. I'll be Triple H's body." And again, like. If that is the case, uh, McFell, I remember watching it, I thought the crowd was fairly loud for most of the match before they even went at the cage. But I think part of the reason if they were quiet or weren't responding as loudly, it's probably because you spent weeks promising them that you would go outside the cage. And like as soon as the cage bores around them, just tried to take it outside and seeing that somehow, I think it's maybe implied that Triple H and Stephanie have put like, extra padlocks around the door so that they can't escape. Yeah, um, I did like the way they all like the I did like the way they've opened the cages in the recent years. I've been there's a voice break. It just shows how bad they've been. <laughs> My voice even knows how bad they've been. I did like the way the cage opened in this match. Yeah, I, I really, I, I really did enjoy the way Foley just mentally just put his body on the line and like dove through the cage to open it. Yeah, that was interesting. But like before that. You've got like them wrestling around the outside of the door. Says fellow, there was a lot of uh, people chanting "slut." Stephanie was around the outside, saying, "Come on, Hunter!" Triple H using like the steps and like steel chair on a darkness and like Gr doing his usual like he would do when Triple H is like beating us like, "Oh, come on, have some heart, have some compassion." Then G when Gr Lawler pointed, yeah, but Cactus asked for this match. He's giving Cactus what he wanted, and then at one point, Cactus uh, makes his comeback by using the chair to. Right in the balls of Triple H. Yeah. While well, he hears that he launched Triple H into, this, into the cage and then doing what he used to do when, like, say, when he used to grind people's faces in the cage and that would tell like the blood come down. Like, you see the blood coming in Triple H. Like, it's a weird sentence to say, but Triple H is a really good bleeder. Yeah, no, no, no. no. Whenever he's bled, you can see it's kind of, it's not too much, but it's just real right. One of the moves I did like was the um, the catapult. He used mm-hmm. the steps to kind of catapult. That was really, really good. I, that, that spot. It's kind of like the Ziggler spot. <laughs> kind of, he, he loves flying himself around. But Triple H went head first into that cage, and yeah, brutal. Um, Foley's just bouncing off anything that he can, just just like a pinball, human pinball machine. Um, I don't know what the call was when um when Foley made himself the door, but it was like I think it was like something like he's he's made himself an opening or something by just yeeting himself into the cage. It was brilliant. Yeah. This match was very smart, like the spots that they did inside the cage before they escaped, because not only have they got the reputation of like Mick Foley and last year, he was in to live up to, but also they are hyping up the brutality that happened in, at the Royal Rumble. So they've got kind of to figure of new things to keep the crowd invested. Guys kind of does these like usual like dive off the top to the outside with a steel chair. Uh, he goes to pick up the sets, throws them at Triple H, but he moves, and that causes the side of the cage to break. And the crowd do noticeably are a bit louder here because they realize like there's an opening. That means you can get out of the cage. And then Foley does that weird die thing. I think for Sina thought oh, was that trouble his blood getting his arm, but then I think I think Mick Foley kinda cut his own arm when he did that thing because you can see the bottom of the cage kinda rub against him. And so they managed to get to the outside. There's a pile driver onto the announce table. Uh, it doesn't break. Uh, then he's fiddling around the uh thing he was there, he pulls out his old barbed wire, like two by four. Uh, Triple H tries to climb up the cage to get away from him and then use the, the barbed wire to kind of like send Cactus 
flying back down the cage through the table. I forgot that spot was in this match. Yeah, um, and then what happened after this, I really loved it. I don't know if this is intentional or... But Cactus Jack trying to get the chair up to the top of the cell is is brilliant. Like, if it was... If he meant to be doing that, because they did make, make a reference to the blood loss, which was brilliant. I love this bit of psychology. I don't know about you, but I have a feeling they might have fully knew what he was doing there by trying to show that the blood loss had gotten to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was planned, though, because you got Jerry Lawler basically coming on. Because like, at one point, they just cut to Triple H and you can hear the chair falling. So I think the fact they were showing Triple H and not Cactus trying to throw the chair... Was maybe to me it made me think that it wasn't planned, but oh, but it, oh, but it worked. It worked. I think, I think what you said about the psychology. I think it's uh, Jr. just been really good at covering for for Mick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jr. did a Jr. did a fantastic job of that call with the blood loss. Mm. Fair play, fair play to him. Um, yeah, I I really enjoyed this a little bit, and then obviously they got up on the cage, and then the craziness started. Yeah, because like. Uh, I remember joking with the like they kept saying about the uh, the barbed wire two by four. What could be worse than a barbed wire two by four? And I joked myself, maybe a barbed wire two by four. It's on fire. And I'm pretty sure Big Flair had done that at points in his career. And then they got them on top, and he set it on fire. Yeah, he did. Um, yeah. Also, um, also nearly fell to the roof. I don't know if that was planned as well, but like his legs had dangling, and people were kind of popping. And the area he is like dangling from is a bit outside of the ring where the sets kind of are. So just as well that didn't go horribly wrong. Otherwise, Triple H's career was over at that point. Yeah, Triple H's leg fell through the. Is that is that the video time where like his leg fell through the side? Yeah, yeah and like that could have cut him open badly. Um, that would have been horrible. Um, you never know what kind of like blood diseases you could get if you cut an artery or no, no, not an artery, but like cut something in the leg or whatever. It could have gone horribly wrong. Um, and he could have fallen as well. Um. But yeah, uh, it was. This was really, really, really brutal when it when it got to the top. Of it. When the thing set on fire and then Foley dropped it and it just sat there on the metal, <laughs> just burning on the metal. I was like, Jesus, this is mad. Um, every time they take a back bump on that cell, when it just, it's so cringy. You're like, ugh. Like the, the the cell is like falling in. You can see it like the pressure's being applied and it's really, really uncomfortable in the best way possible. Yeah, I don't know what happened with that show I because they kinda of, like you said left up there and then I think later on when the cell like raises up, uh, it's it's up there, I think still, but it's not on fire anymore. And I should say about the cell, what I liked about this is like they did the thing where the cell's kinda of lowering around them. Which I always think that's the what you should do with a hand cell, unless the undertaker's involved. Like if an undertaker's involved then yeah, you can have the cell lowered just so Undertaker do thing where he grabs the door and slams it behind him. Otherwise, you just have the two guys in the ring and then the cell lowers around them. That's, to me, the perfect way to do a, a Hell in a Cell match. But, yeah, they imply that he's going to pile drive uh, Triple H on top of the cell. And then Triple H, this is the spot this match is probably best known for. It's a backdrop. The, the roof of the cell gives way as Big Flair goes flying through and then a bit of the ring goes through a bit of the ring that's gimmick to help cushion his fall. And the crowd, I think... The crowd pop, like when Hulk, when Foley's already halfway to hitting the mat, and before that gives away because I think it takes people a second to process what's actually happening. That he's like, oh, bad drop, oh shit, he's falling. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was like, ah, uh, like back body drop would be normal. Like if you if you fell through the cage, you thought it'd be like a pedigree or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just 
Like it's that moment where you're like, just relax. You're like, oh, back buddy. You're oh shit, <laughs> the cage is broken and he's fallen through. Um, so yeah, like brilliant spot. Um, I think Mick Mick. I don't know what the injuries Mick had coming out of this. Was this the match that he put? It wasn't the match where the tooth went up, and it wasn't. I don't know if he had many injuries. I'd, I'd say he had a serious concussion after that fall, but I don't know yeah. to what extent the injuries were. I think that the reason for the like the thing through the ring is to also make it a bit more impactful the way the fall happened. Also, I think is also to kind of cushion his fall because like I've read uh, I read the paperback version of uh, his first book and uh, he adds an extra chapter because uh, it first came out in hardback and then came out paperback later. So he had an extra chapter and it was in the lead up to this match. So he had an extra chapter about going into this match and planning on it being his last because fully legit wanted this to be his final match. Uh, and so else they wanted to put Triple H over strong, but like they wanted to take a memorable like bump. I think they put that in there because they thought like he's already buggered like he's physically, but we need to at least make it easier for him because we can't have him going out even more injured than he already is. Uh, I'm pretty sure I haven't read his second, but I think he might goes into more detail about his plan for retirement. But because like they say, Mick Foley is 34 here, and he doesn't look it. He looks 40, 41 at least. I mean, you talk about fucking rough paper and I mean. Rock and Big Show are around about 27, 28, and they look way better than Mick Foley, who looks at least 10 years older than them, but he's like six years older. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of the price you pay for wanting to murder yourself. I mean, we've uh, we've seen Foley do the, F- the FMW barbed wire death matches, which have come to light since the, bar- the exploding barbed wire death match was announced on Wednesday. And uh, yeah, when Foley's doing shit like that in Japan and then goes to WWE and decides, I'm going to fall off a cell, not once, but twice. Um, yeah, you can kind of see where his uh, where his, where his uh, career was shortened. But uh, yeah, for, for, what he did, for what he did, it was amazing. You know they weren't going to repeat the spot with Undertaker, so they kind of did a spot that was kind of reminiscent of like the Shawn Michaels spot from like 97, where he kind of falls off the hanging off the side of the cell and then goes to the table. Which I think is a spot they've tried to replicate that like many times since, and not, they don't always look the best because obviously nowadays they aren't really willing for somebody to go off the cell or through the roof or something like that. And so like, my, so so Cactus is kind of lying there, and the whole Triple H narrow slowly gets down from the cell, sees Cactus moving, but then Craig quickly gets out with the pedigree, and yeah, Gerald has kind of been saying like, oh yeah, you. Like, Mick Foley, he's going to lose Triple H is the best because obviously he's a huge commentator, but like it's like Gerald Lawler finally trying to like console JR and basically tell him like, it has to end now because like he said, no dream was worth this. And it really is a pedigree and JR even after the last minute just yelling, kick out! Kick out, Cactus! So he goes, damn it! Yeah, um, yeah, that little bit at the end, that bait and switcher, I was like, oh my shit, he kicked out. But it was kind of clear once he fell through the um, uh, when he fell through the the cell, that it, where it was going. Plus, I don't think anyone ever believed that Foley was going to beat Triple H. Um, but the end was great. That it wasn't just him going down and pinning him. It was a little bit of a bait and switch. I really loved it. I don't know how Mick was walking, but you know, fantastic. Yeah, because like it was a great battle. I think all people say like, oh, Triple uh, Foley wants to go Mania. So maybe there are people that hope that we'd win it. Maybe it win it here. But then maybe drop the belt at Mania just so he could say he had a match at WrestleMania. Because uh, obviously The Rock was probably going to be in the main event at WrestleMania and fully wasn't beating The Rock. So, so, so somehow they could have continued on to Mania for like a third match between these two. Then I think people would have believed that 
Foley was going to win, but Foley was was done at this point. He wanted to kind of retire, but make, have a good program where he made a star on his way out. And you know, yeah, Triple H saying about the dreams, and like, yeah, well, my dream character is to have a WAF without you in it. And so, so that was part of the thing for them putting the career on the line. A hell of a match. I think it was one of the forgotten Hell in a Cells because people remember it for either that bump or the fact that also the career thing was on the line. And obviously that's a stipulation that never was followed up on because Foley would return in less than a decade after this, but nine years after this match, about Foley as TNA world champion. Let's just remember <laughs> that, please. Uh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bury TNA. Lads, we got Big Show and we bury TNA. Just we've ticked off the podcast podcast bucket list. Um but no, I really enjoyed this match. I really want to watch a lot more of Mick Foley stuff that he did in Japan and here uh in WWE. He as well as being that guy who just put his body on the line, people have to remember a lot of that stuff was done with really intense storytelling. Um them I'd say he was probably the best storyline deathmatch like hardcore wrestler ever because a lot of hardcore wrestlers these days are hardcore for the sake um for the for the sake of just being hardcore whereas Mick Foley really understood that if he's gonna do something unless it's being accidentally thrown off the top of a hell in a cell that um there was storyline involved and that's what probably makes him one of the more underrated wrestlers um and will 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 continue to be because he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like I said, this this kind of for forgotten stuff because like Mike Foley will like go his way to like have story in his matches like whether it's his feud with The Rock or his feud with Triple H. I think No Way Out 2000 has a lot of strong things in it with like the six man. I thought the Kane export match was good despite the finish. The Eddie Christian uh, Hardy's match was good. They had this really good Hell in a Cell match to me event it. Uh, but I think mostly because 2000 is such a stale year for pay-per-views that certain pay-per-views that are good also have obviously their problems like a couple of matches in the middle of this that we talked about that also when you talk about 2000 this gets lost behind the rumble fully loaded summer slam things like that whereas like it's not the worst pay-per-view of 2000 yeah um it was a really good like really good plug-in pay-per-view and it was less is more two hours 30 two hours 36 minutes as well scott how nice was that yeah, and this, and this match was also the longest as it should have been, 23 minutes 57. Uh, this went, and weirdly the second longest match was Edge and Christian v. The Hardy, so that's a nice thing for them to get kind of the second longest match uh, on the show. So there's a lot of faith in them. And what's also interesting is that, I, can't, I don't know how old Triple H is here, but there seems to be a weird, weird like youth movement here because Foley's 34 and thinking about retiring, partly because of the toll on his body. But like, you got Edge and Christian the Hardys all in their 20s. You got The Rock and Big Show both in their 20s. Big Sh- Triple H must have been at least coming in his like, early 30s, something like that. Those, and you got Jericho and Angle, I think, both in the late 20s, something like that. Uh, which is like the difference between this and WCW trying to say, like, oh, give a youth moon, all these young guys to beat all these established legends. But the, the difference here is that the WWF brought in young guys with established characters people cared about and who were good wrestlers. Whereas WCW brought in some good wrestlers who nobody cares about because they had no character other than trying to steal characters from other people. Yeah. Um, as I said always, I would love to go back into the kind of archives and watch, but you know, time is uh, busy, busy. So 
um, unless I'd be reviewing it, it'd be hard to do it. But maybe in the summer, I might go back and watch this more intensely. But I'm really loving um, your your series, Scott. It's fantastic. Thanks for having me on. But it's um, it it's really cool to look back and kind of get a perspective from um, from back in the day. And I really hope that um, I kind of contributed like a kind of casual audience kind of. Or like, as in, like we had Scott who knows about this kind of stuff, and then basically Scott's teaching me about the stuff. So it's really cool to come on here and because uh, uh, and you can see from some of my reactions, some of them might be wrong, some of them might be, some of them might be completely off. But I'm really, really enjoying going back into the archives and watching this madness. And it's a fantastic show, Scott. Gotta give you credit for it. Cheers, uh, cheers, man. I, I liked like aspects of this. Uh, there were matches that I weren't, I wasn't looking forward to. Some of them were kind of thrust upon us. With like very little build, like Vistra and Mark Heyman and stuff, <laughs> and so obviously I didn't appreciate that having that off on me. So we rightfully took the piss out of what we should have, I thought, and praised what we should have, like the Hardy's Eddie and Christian, like the main event. Uh, well, I do have to ask before we wrap up and do the plugs, where your thumb would be for this middle, uh, up, down, and what would your ma- was what would be the one thing on this show you'd tell people to go and check out if they haven't seen it already? If you had to recommend one thing. So middle up or down is the rating, is it? Yeah, thumbs up, thumbs up, middle or thumbs down. Uh, you know, on a compass where it says like north northeast, like in between, <laughs> like kind of kind of in between. We'll go with the in between, the thumbs up and the thumbs um, middle, um, yeah. because it was solid. But like, I mean, WWE have timestamps, which is great. But we were reviewing it, so we watched it all. Um, so if I was to tell you to go and check out one thing, the Edge and Christian match just for Jerry's commentary and like just baffles me. Um, but obviously, I think it has to be said the main event um, by Country Mile. I think it's just a great storytelling, uh, brutal, brutal match with storytelling. There was a reason for everything um, in the match. Um, uh, yeah, those two, Edge and Christian, and the uh, the main event. If you've got an hour spare, go and watch those two matches. Doubly up. The papers is time stamped, so that'd be the two I'd recommend. Yeah, if you're a fan of like, the Hell in a Cell stipulation, then go back and check out that main event. I'd say because like I said, it, it needs to be talked about for more than just the fact that McFoley didn't really retire and also that I had that spot at the top. Yeah, because we should mention like also the cell raises and Foley kind of walks out on his own volition, does the whole like, yeah, people chant thank you, characters as he leaves. And, it's made to look very somber as the uh, as the show finishes. I'd say middle and up as well, because uh, it's not one of the it's not the worst pay per view of two thousand. Because, but it does get put in the middle because of everything that, that we still got to come. But also, it had some really shit throwaway matches that I didn't agree with. One or two finishes and some of the matches I didn't agree with. So yeah, middle and up. Even though it was really strong from a work rate standpoint for most of the most of the card. And, and Crash Hollywood. Crash Holly wasn't defending his yeah. title. Or hardcore. Apologies. Forgot. Yeah, neither, neither the, the Hollies were on this show. Neither, neither was the hardcore title. And the hardcore title is about to become the best thing on the show as we go forward uh, on the Road Retro Smack interview. But I appreciate Rian coming on to, uh, to join me at the stage of the to join me on the stage of the journey. And I, I should say that we should HBO should th- and you should definitely check out what he's got going on. He's got a series called Takeover Throwback. One of them had me on it, so I'd watch, I'd listen to that one first, then listen to everything else. So, plug, man, what you've got to plug. Yeah, uh, Takeover Throwback should be coming back soon. We've just been really busy. Um, we are part of Project Dits, obviously. 
Um, go check out all the podcasts in there. The worst wrestling podcasts are fantastic podcast. I was recent. I was just. I just guessed it on. Uh, plus, at a time with your good friend Nathan Greenaway and my good friend Dara Gibbons, they're doing an amazing job on. Um, on uh, plus at a time, the really good football podcast, really making Dara's really bringing an enter a lot of different segments. And Nathan is Nathan is just Nathan fantastic as usual. <laughs> you, you're listening to a Rogue Opinions podcast, I don't need to say much about Nathan. You just go back and listen. That man is criminally underrated and really, really um, did this product, Rogue Opinions, and you and Nathan do deserve uh, everything that comes to you because you're fantastic. Um, as far as we go, um, we've got a lot of interviews coming up, um, and we have a lot of interviews in the bag. So, release now. By the time this comes out, we have an interview with Joe Hendry. We have an interview. Um, we've interviewed with uh, Jay Christ, uh, Jesse from from um, just Jesse. We yeah, we interviewed Jay Christ, free impact, free agent now, and he's um, IWA Mid South champion. So that was an interesting interview. Jesse obviously is a fantastic uh, personality on on um, on. She's in everything. She's done fantastic work. Um, and we've interviewed coming up with LJ Cleary and Mark Haskins. Um, we also have interviews with Kerry Silken and just go on to Project Dates and look at all the content. Project Dates on YouTube, um, Holly Grasspot on Twitter. Come on and interact with us. Give us um, your opinions. Um, and uh, yeah, just have a look at Project Dates on YouTube, all the content there. And Dates is on Twitch as well. So, a lot of stuff going on. And we've got big plans coming up soon. I can't really reveal too much. We've got some big plans coming up. So, just subscribe to us on Twitter and you'll find out all the news. I hit. Uh... A random thing about LG Clear, I should throw it there. Uh, with each tweet to base, we did a thing when we did our, a sweep for ICW Square Goal, uh, I think the 2021, when the last times we were all together before everything went to shit. So we basically did a part of our sweep where uh, you pick, everybody gets assigned random numbers and uh, basically you get extra points in the sweep if uh, the person who gave out your number in the Square Goal won the Square Goal match. And somebody got uh, 28 and 29 and so they were all confident about it. And then out came, I can't remember, it was one of the guys, I think it may have been Nathan from uh, from More Than Hype. They're like, okay, that's 28, number 29, this is going to be somebody big. And then LJ clearly came out. <laughs> and so as much as we loved More Than Hype, neither of them were going to win the square goal. And I can't remember which one of is in our group that had those two numbers. But as soon as LJ clearly came out, he was fucking raging. Oh. Man, I I, I spoke I spoke for an hour and twenty minutes. He's a great lad, so we got loads of interviews coming out. Just check them all out on Project. The YouTube versions and audio versions are on both Project Dates and Hallway Graps Pod. But um, yeah, no, uh, like talking about Ro- sweepstakes Royal Rumble. I had Daniel Bryan at number seventeen in two Royal Rumble sweepstakes. Uh, Scott, both of them for I don't know how two separate ones. I've got Daniel Bryan separate ones. No, no, sorry, Daniel Bryan at seventeen. In both of them, and there was money. There was money on the line for like number and person. So Seth Rollins cost me two hundred and ten euro, and I'm not over. If Daniel Ryan had won, I would have won two hundred and ten euro, and he was one of the favorites. I was so angry. But yeah, thanks for letting me plug everything. But like, just I'm really doing. I'm really. I'm enjoying doing a lot of interviews. Um, they really, really uh, keep me sane. So um, if you want to check them out, the guests are the stars. I just direct the conversation. It's a great listen. And thanks for having me on, Scott. And I'll definitely be on back again soon. There, we uh, we struck up a regular thing. So I'm looking forward to being back on to talking over madness. Yeah, I definitely would like to uh, do this again at some point. I really, I'm really interested to check out your Jake Christie. I don't know if you was a fan of his working at an Impact Wrestling. Actually, I think he showed up in that same uh, square goal match. Because uh, Sammy Callahan was in the match, uh, and then Jake Chris came out. He was the only other member of OV came out. He came out in a stunning red jacket that night. 
Yeah, so. he's a fa- he, he he he's so nice. We talked about his impact analyst. He has a fire lit under his ass when this gets out. He's he was working hard when the he's an IWA Mid South champion, but he is working really hard, and that was a really really good interview. Uh, as far as this goes, uh, check out Rogue's opinions at Rogue underscore opinions. Yeah, the go home episode for SmackDown is up. I think it's me and Nathan doing that. Uh, it's definitely been recorded at this point. Uh, all the sorts of guest hosts that I've had over the past couple of months. But uh, I'm looking ahead to actually potentially a more full time uh, co host. More details about that to come. But uh, there's all sorts of stuff here at Rogue Opinions, uh, the Banter Minute podcast. Uh, Nathan's stuff with the Naked Men podcast alongside his friend Ben uh, me and Jimmy and Nathan are struggling to get our kids together at time recording for uh, another podcast but soon we should have uh, the next stage of our ultimate uh, co- our tournament series occurring the ultimate comic book movie we did the Marvel Cinematic Universe stage hoping to do the DC stage next to move on to the grand final very soon uh, also Master Debaters finally made a return and we made the we settled the age old debate who would win one of every 151 Pokemon or billion lines. You listen to my argument and the wrong side that Nathan put against. Uh, all sorts going on here. Follow me at, at Scott McLean 1996. Um, my other podcast, Scott and Paul's at SB Rambling. By the time this is out, hopefully our WrestleMania 12 review is up for a show I'd never watched in full. And Paul is very anxious to know what my thoughts were on the match, uh, the Ironman match in the main event. Eat, sleep, so please read all sorts of good stuff going on there. As I said, I'm pretty sure. Uh, what, a couple of guys over there interviewed all three members of with more than hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it from the sounds of it, sound like a hell of a good time. Lovely bunch of lads. Uh, all sorts going on there. Saturday draft live show I do. Uh, East meets West if you're in your Japanese wrestle and all sorts of feature shows about NXT and all sorts. I'm also doing some articles about wrestling over at Culture Vultures. I've got a couple up. Uh, time recording one about uh, E Lie Drake or so we called L A Night. And also, I did a an article about why Moose should be the the face of Impact Wrestling. And at <laughs> time recording, I got some other ones that I've written, but I have not yet came out. So please stay tuned uh, for that. All sorts of good stuff. And all, the other guys there, come on, you know, really good and very talented writers as well. And I'm losing my voice because I've had to plug everything because I haven't slept in days. Oh, we've gone two out. We got we've gone nearly as long as this pay per view, man. We 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 done well tonight. I'm gonna enjoy my beers tonight. It's long. <laughs> yeah, I and I've got quite a, I've got a lot of stuff that I'm currently doing, but I'm enjoying it. Also, you got to pass a lot down somehow. And again, it's good to get to talk to good lads like yourself, man. Legend, man. It was um, it was a pleasure. And uh, yeah, lockdown is uh, gonna continue, but we're gonna continue making good content. I think the content is, quality has gone up as lockdown has gone on. Um, but we're all going to be glad to be back out of lockdown but of course the content will still continue and I'm very happy to be on and I can't wait to come on again So, yeah, stay tuned for the latest stuff to come out from uh, Rogue Pines and the Rogue Rip Smackdown review and do remember if you're feeling down about lockdown unlike this pay review, there will be a way out eventually let's hope <laughs> big show standing in between you and, and sanity ah <laughs> uh. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, everybody. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, money, money. Dollar, dollar. Ching, ching, bling, You ain't talking money, then you're talking no matter. Ching, ching, bling, bling, patent pockets. We take the dollar, dollar. Can a damn soul stop it? Here comes the money.
something new kid on the block Hold on your bets, here's where the buck stops See first of all I'm stepping out on my own About time I elevated to claim my own throne Success in my blood, call it homegrown Pours reek and testosterone Power and money got me crazy cocky No longer need you poppy I know you're mad because you can't stop me And if you wonder how this player done scooped your honey I think she smell my cologne, it's called brand new money Making major moves, man ain't a damn thing funny Pippin' hood rats to playboy bunnies They see the money, 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 money. They see it, they see it Smelling fresh and looking spiffy Don't like clean money, I want my wrist to be filthy Plus with that retirement fund, I can't touch till I'm 60 So what am I supposed to do? Rolling through, steady patting them pockets Till I'm stacking hole in two Ching, ching, bling, bling, catching cash and lump It's a coro, get a jacket, I'm selling them out my trunk Whenever, whatever, it takes a shake down a dollar Muscle in that direction, wait a minute, holla, holla